This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Friday, Friday, Friday. How about it? Lee Shervanian. Freaky Friday. Okay. I'm not sure why, but Freaky I'm Friday. Sure. Just because the only thing I can think of with Friday in it. Or okay. Joe Friday. Just the facts? Joe Friday? Yeah, yeah you got just, it. You just, got it. Okay, you're facts. you're hot today. Yeah, hot yeah, take. yeah. Hot take. Start to start on a good one. All right, so here we are. It's the opening kickoff. I uh, hope you and yours uh, got a great weekend planned for Father's Day. And uh we got a lot to get to today, I think. Well, we have some things to get to. I don't know if it's as busy as no. it has been, but we got a few. Uh, yeah, because the SEC Network didn't have a show yesterday, it's not quite as busy, but we can still pick up on stuff like that. But, you know, all during the week when we kind of previewed this U.S. Open and all we heard about, well, the scores are going to be not so good. This is a very tough course. It's a long course. Don't expect good scores. So what happens on opening day? Record-breaking scores. As Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley, each shot a 62. That's never been done before at a U.S. Open. And, Mark, there's only been one other 62 ever shot on an opening day in a major, which we'll get to at a Chick-fil-A later on this morning. So the 62 is 8 under, par is 70. In the history of the U.S. Open, there have been two others who have shot a 63, which was eight under, where par was 71. One was Johnny Miller, and that was celebrated yesterday, the 50th anniversary of his 63. But right behind them, Dustin Johnson had a 64. Rory McIlroy's in the hunt. Phil Mickelson's in the hunt. So on a, on a let's say, a, a preview-type tournament where the scores are supposed to be, well, not so good, there were a lot of scores that were under par, and we'll have a report from John Ricchetti coming up in about uh, 45 minutes. Maybe he can shed some light on why this course was so giving and not yeah. forgiving. Yeah, no, it's a uh, it's it's a lot of fun to watch. You know, I'm I'm one of these guys that wants to see, especially in the open, I want to see guys struggle because we can all relate to that. With that said, uh, Fowler, in order to get to 62. Uh, put himself in a little bit of trouble there, but it hit that one shot, man. I, w- I was pretty, I was pretty pumped, man. Uh, and how would you like to be Ricky Fowler, where you hit the sixty-two and you're sitting there alone for about fifteen minutes, <laughs> and you and you and you have this unbelievable score, and then Sheffley comes around like fifteen minutes later and ties. You're like, oh, damn. But yeah. but no, well, it, it, there was some intrigue there. It, how it was, would you like it was to fun. be? How would you like to be labeled the greatest player never to win a championship? That's Ricky Fowler. In fact, he hasn't won since 2019. And to be honest with you, Mark, I had forgotten about him. Okay, so this that's a great question. So would if the only way, and this isn't any sport, if the only way you can be named one of the great players in your sport, it comes with the tagline. To never win a championship. Do you want that label? Probably not. Like, 
Charles Barkley. I'm, I'm trying to think of other guys that are about, considered. About Dan Marino. Dan Marino Dan comes Marino to mind. Comes to mind to me. Greatest players to never win a title. Would you want that? If 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 in order to get the whole best, one of the best to play the game, you need to add the to but never win a title. He hasn't even been relevant though. He hasn't won a tournament, any kind of tournament since 2019, and and so many times we would have. Our golfing analysts come on and say, oh, this is Ricky Fowler's year. This is Ricky Fowler's tournament. We're hoping for Ricky Fowler. But when, what, when have we named him among the leaders uh, in the last year or so? I can't remember. I have nothing against the guy. I wish him well. And you know what? I hope he's around at the end. It'd be quite a story if he winds up winning this and get that label removed from his name. Yeah. Uh, the only... I got I got a lot of like NBA guys that come to mind when when I think of best players to never win a title. I'm sure there is as many football, probably baseball too, and baseball guys too. But um, Barkley was the first one that came to mind. Um, Reggie Miller never won one. That's true, Reggie uh, Miller. Yeah, Patrick Ewing never won one. I, I I always hesitate to use the word Carl Carl Malone <laughs> these days, but. I'll say Stockton and Malone never won one. Those were guys that I think were considered elitist players who they got you into there, but, but they couldn't finish. Yeah. Baseball, Hello. there's been a ton of them. Ken Griffey Jr. comes to mind because, let's face it, back when the Yankees were dominating, if you didn't play for the Yankees, you weren't on a championship team. And there have been a lot of really, really good players that never got a World Series ring. So, But in golf, there's aren't there aren't many I can think of now. Maybe John Ricchetti could name one or two out there. But um, this, I'm curious if these scores will stay the same today and keep low like this. If you're going to go out and keep shooting in the 60s, par is 70. So you know, credit these guys for what they did yesterday. But you were right. Ricky Fowler had it 62, and before you know it, the other guy comes in with a 60. I think that's. It's not funny, it, funny. It's, well, it's, it's, I think it's, it's funny to everybody except but yeah, Ricky Fowler. Ricky like, Fowler. Hey, I got a sixty-two. I, I, let's go out and celebrate. Oh, yeah. wait a minute, you might want to hold off for just a few minutes. Exactly. Uh, so, and you know what? Dustin Johnson came close to it too. Mark, he had a, uh, a disastrous shot. I think it was at eighteen, but he was closing in on a sixty-two until he settled for a sixty-four. Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on things. I think they start up again the same time as they did yesterday, which is a little bit later in the morning, about 8.40 our time. So if we can get you some scores there uh, throughout the course of, well, in our, in our final segment, we'll try to pass those along to you. Uh, we'll also, uh, we'll have some Chick-fil-A for you coming up uh, in this show. I think we're going to do that in hour number one. T-Bob Bear. We'll continue to kind of dissect from a team perspective the SEC 2024 schedules. So T-Bob's going to join us uh, and talk some LSU at 6.30. You mentioned John Ricchetti at 7 o'clock. Dan Jennings on baseball at 7.30. C.J. Vogel, uh, he covers Texas. We'll talk to him at 8 o'clock. You have a uh, distinguished young woman coming on from we the like, great state of Vermont. Yeah, we like distinguished people coming on this show. And, you know, they have the uh, the ceremony and the uh, competition coming up where they've, you know, this used to be the junior miss. It's now the distinguished young women. we got a representative from every state. And we try to get somebody that's involved in sports. We got something, uh, the young lady that we have today is involved with Ultimate Frisbee. How about that? But I think this might be a, a WNSP first to have a guest on from Vermont. I can't think of another 
guessed or reason why we would have anybody on from Vermont. Well, I think the obvious question to her is how do you adjust to the humidity down here? I will tell you this. Back when, when my wife suggested, and when she suggested we did it, that we host has-beens for two or three years. Mm-hmm. And the first lady we ever had was from Vermont. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I remember... By the way, you mentioned Booker T. Washington. Not on the air, but okay. No, to me. Yeah. Because you were there yesterday, I think, or you played a school like that. Yeah. Really key recruit for uh, Auburn from Booker T. Washington, but not the school you were talking about. You got one up there in Tuskegee. And maybe it speaks volumes. We'll talk to Brian Matthews about this. Maybe it speaks volumes where Auburn's going now. They got a uh, verbal from... Uh, this Joseph Phillips, he's considered a big-time linebacker, right down the street from Auburn, who was being heavily recruited by Georgia. Now, I have to believe that if, and I and I, I don't want to throw this on Brian Harson, but if he was still the coach, I'm not sure they would have gotten him. But right now, they get a verbal from Joseph Phillips, which maybe things are trending upward for Auburn. That's eight verbals for 2024. But the key here is, you out-recruited Georgia, which had a big head start on you, and you bring a, uh, a player in right down the road from you. Uh, so we, We'll talk Auburn with Brian Matthews coming up here in uh, hour number three. All right, so I guess today uh, we're asking, as we always pre-plan these shows, you know, in these extensive meetings before we come on the air, best athletes or best players in all sports to not win a championship as uh, the U.S. Open is underway. By the way, the only Vermont reference I know is from Wedding Crashers. Here's your movie reference of the day. You remember when Jeremy, uh, they were trying to think of a cover story. He's like, I'm sick of that. Let's be from Vermont and let's have an emerging maple syrup conglomerate. There's your there's your Vermont. There's your Vermont reference for the day. I don't need any. I, I've been to Vermont many, many times to ski, and uh, it's one of the coldest areas I've ever been to. But let me get to something else because – you actually got me intrigued about this with your story on the USA men's national soccer team. I, I don't know if I didn't, I fell asleep before it actually began, but you wrote a story about it previewing Mexico. And we don't normally come on here, and this is one of those, I, I, I'm not sure how you, re, I don't know if you call it a friendly or a non-friendly, but it didn't turn out to be very friendly. Yeah. They had a lot of red flags in it. They actually at the referee's discretion, called it before the end because of some derogatory, divisive chanting from fans. But it turned out to be the USA playing in Vegas. There's that Vegas again. They beat Mexico 3-0. Mark, it's the biggest, let's say, route, biggest win for USA in terms of goals over Mexico ever. Four red cards, two on each side. That's my kind of soccer match. But again, they called it before they finished because the fans were being ugly, if you know yeah. what I mean. I don't know if they were Mexican fans. I don't know if they were for the USA. And so then, speaking of controversy, afterwards, or maybe before it was announced that Greg Berhalter is returning as the head coach of the men's team. You might remember six months ago his contract expires, and they didn't do anything about it because it was controversy with a, a member of the team, the Reina family. So they didn't rehire him. So for six months, they didn't re- really have a head coach. And then yesterday it was announced that he is coming back. Um, I believe it was uh, 
fans from Mexico that were um, were the uh, rambunctious ones, for lack of a better term. Uh, there were some uh, anti-gay chants. Uh, Have you ever heard, though, of a, a sporting event, any sporting event being called before the it was supposed to because of fans chanting? I, I, you know, it could be at an NBA game or something. Obviously, I think in an NBA game, I think you'd be able to hear it maybe a lot closer because they're closer to the court. What got me was the fact that you're playing in this uh, football stadium and that the, the chance, because you got a lot of people there, it's not like you have just a few, that the referee was able to understand what was being said, that, that using his discretion, he called it before the end of the match. Hmm. I can't. I mean, you know, I've, I know there have been fans thrown out of games for things they've said, but never an event stopped because of it. Now and then there's been a basketball fan that's been tossed. Uh, I'm sure it's happened even in baseball uh, if some ugly things were being said. But I've never seen an umpire or referee say, all right, that's it. We're done. I got uh, I got eyed by an official yesterday there in our final game. Four. Oh, don't let this Questioning... His ability to call a travel. Okay, and how did you say it though? Were you like nice to it, Mr. No. Mr. Official? No, I was not. So there was a they 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 called a walk on us, which I thought was eh, um I was skeptical at best. And then the other team goes down, and this dude did walk. He didn't call it, and so our people went nuts. And then that same kid then made an additional move where the other referee on the other side called a walk. And so I might have had a couple of words for him as he ran by, and he stopped and looked at me. Um, with a smile and, on and his face? No. With the whistle in his mouth? Let's just say we had a moment. And okay. uh, Now, were you in the stands or on press row? No, there's no press row. So I was. So he stands. spotted you in the stands? Well, it, it's not hard. There, there, there's not Three a lot people of stands there? at these. Three people there? These, yeah. There um, <laughs> So I made some mention about how he didn't want to. Well, let's just say I told you once we had a moment. I was doing a, a basketball game for South Alabama in Kansas City. I was flanked by two, uh, well, I would say two employees of South Alabama, and one of them was getting on the official. So the official came over to the table where I'm broadcasting, pointed to the individual, and said, "One more word, you're out of here." Yeah. So I've I've seen that happen too. Oh, I've been a, I've been asked if I want to be tossed. Not not yesterday. Oh, he you mean in, a, in hey, another? Do game. you do you want to leave? I don't. That's not yeah. the way they say it though, is it? They uh, they come over and say. By yeah, the he way. ran by and he said, "Do you want to?" Uh, he said, "Do you do you want to stay in this gym?" And I just stared at him. Mark, how much do you have to pay to get in there? Uh, What's the asking price for games like that? Uh, the one where I almost got tossed? Yeah. Uh, I guess five or six bucks. I don't know. I didn't get tossed. All right, 619. Here, let's get a scoreboard traffic and weather. Okay, so, with the U.S. Open and Ricky Fowler, one of those guys that has never won, you know, that label, one of the best to never win a title. We're asking for guy. we're asking a couple questions. One... Would you be would you be okay with being known as one of the best to play the game if it came with that second part to never win a championship? And who are some of the best players in all sports 
who've never won a championship. Hit us up in the app, WNSP.com. Scoreboard traffic and weather, we're just getting started. It's a Friday edition of the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. This is Jordan Farley from the University of Alabama. You're listening to 105.5 WNSP. Roll time. Good view from behind. Seeing here the flags picking up a little bit right to left. Is he going to use the slope? No, this is pulled. Played it safe. Good shot, but played it safe. Six twenty-six. Real short segment here. We went long in our uh, opening statements there. But T. Bob Abear is going to join us. Talk some LSU coming up here in about four or five minutes. Speaking of the NBA parade, um, did you see where a Denver police officer was? hit by a fire truck during the parade is he all right I, I feel like it's a kind of news of the weird but it seems like an odd combination of words there fire truck a police officer hit by a fire truck in any sentence probably doesn't go real well i think jo- um, i think jokic and his family they were riding in a fire truck weren't they were they i don't I know i think so and i hope he's okay i had a question for you to look up during our next break i want to know how much the Kansas City Super Bowl rings cost. When I saw what's in that ring, I, these rings every year get bigger and bigger. I don't know how these guys can wear them. I think they just leave them at home in a safe deposit box or something like that. But, I mean, and, and all the stuff that's in them, it's incredible to me how much information they get on these rings. The diamonds, I think they said it's over 600 diamonds or something like that. Rubies. I, I don't know enough about jewelry to to be able to take a guess on how much that is but it seems like it's pretty expensive uh i'm doing a quick check i do not see uh 38 diamonds represented their 38 35 win and another ring uh of diamonds that were 54 to uh so there were 38 diamonds And then they had 54 on another level that combined the deficit they overcame in their last two Super Bowl wins. That seems like a lot of diamonds. 629 diamonds and 35 rubies in each ring, to be exact. Total weight, 16.1 carats. But nowhere do I see how much that is worth. I couldn't find it either. And, and the information that goes in there, it's like an encyclopedia. Like I said, I'm just curious. How these people can even wear these rings anymore? I'd be I'd be showing it off. I'd be wearing it everywhere. That wouldn't go over well. You'd leave yourself open for robbery. Yeah, but you wouldn't wear it. You wouldn't no. wear it out. Well, I don't wear any rings. You know that. I don't even like. Yeah, jewelry. but it's a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't. Championship I wouldn't ring. Wear I'm it. wearing. No, I'm not. Absolutely. Nope. At least until the newness of it all wears off. I mean, it might only be a week. Maybe it's a month, but I'm wearing that thing Depends everywhere. where you're going. Not everywhere. You everywhere. You're going to wear it Hallett Street? Yep. You're crazy. I know. I've been called worse. I'm doing it. I'll be like, look at me. Here's my ring. You want it? Come get it. T-Bob Avery is next. I bet you T-Bob would wear it. Ask him. I will. All right. It's the opening kickoff. Stay with us. Let's 
It lands, and the game is over. Chris Taylor in to score. The Dodgers from down four. All right, 632. Welcome back in here on our Friday. Hope you and yours uh, have a great weekend. Father's Day, all that good stuff coming up. Uh, we'll take your phone calls a little bit later in the show. Uh, we also have some Chick-fil-A for you in this hour as well. Ready to go to we go. Ready to go to Baton Rouge. Very popular talk show host, former great center for the LSU Fighting Tigers, and a good friend of WNSP, Mr. T. Bob Abear. Good morning, T. Bob. How you doing? Yo, Lee, Mark, what's happening, boys? Uh, I'm feeling great. Workout <laughs> done. Omaha tomorrow. The vibes are immaculate. Ooh, ooh, you smell that, boys? Oh, it's in fresh, salty volunteers. Tennessee getting ready to get that ass kicked once again tomorrow night. They weren't and couldn't be satisfied, didn't learn their lesson when they came down to Baton Rouge and we had to put them to sleep. So now, now they're grounded, okay? And that starts on Saturday in Omaha. T-Bob's talking about the College World Series, LSU-Tennessee in one matchup, Florida, the other SEC school in there. They're taking on uh, Virginia today. T-Bob, you're not going to Omaha, are you? I wish, man. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. You know how, like, for a while there, Omaha was basically like an LSU birthright and it's went all the time. It's kind yeah. of crazy, man. Tigers have not been since 2016. So the only reason I'm explaining this background is I've been back in batteries doing radio since – 2016, and every summer my wife's family wants to go on a beach trip, and it's never been a problem before, but no, I am going to be at the beach, which is nothing to complain about, but I am missing out on Omaha, which still remains one of my bucket list sporting events. I have never been able to go, and I'm very jealous of everybody who's going to be taking uh, jello shots yes. and just watching great college baseball day. Dude, I was just about to say, I, I think, I, I got I got to believe LSU's a heavy favorite in the jello shot competition. Dude, I think they'd take it off the board if one T-Bob Bear was in attendance, though. I think, I think that, look, I think that LSU's definitely the favorite. Yeah. But, let's be clear, Ole Miss set a pretty high bar last year. <laughs> I think it was like, they ended up getting to like 18,000 or something. Yeah. We're talking... The real winner is Rockers. We're oh, no doubt. $5 jello shots, boys. Yeah. Hey. The profit margins on that are unbelievable. But uh, but the thing is, the reason why Ole Miss got there, because they stuck around, right? Sure. I mean, they ended up winning it all. So if you go 0-2, your fan base can want to drink as hard as they possibly want, but you are not going to buy for that record. So if you want to set the jello shot record, you got to take care of your business on the field first. You know what the upset of the year would be if Oral Roberts won it. When I was doing a basketball <laughs> game at Oral Roberts, they, I, I was, you know, I checked with people. You weren't even allowed to hold hands on campus. I'm just wondering what? if those who leave the campus are just ready to explode and have a good time. Oh, man, it's like a preacher's daughter situation. <laughs> Oral Roberts finally getting out in the wild. Now they're about to go crazy. Oh, God. We'll see, dude. We'll see. I mean, Oral Roberts is pretty fascinating, man. Four seed, third four seed to ever make Omaha. Um, they joined Stony Brook, who actually beat LSU back in the day to get to Omaha. But then also they joined Fresno State, who ended up winning it all as a four seed in, like, 08, 09. So a very good team, but um, – but 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 definitely one of the most underrated entering, or kind of one of the biggest underdogs for sure entering entering this tournament. What beach you going to? 
Uh, Hilton Head, actually. My wife's family's from Atlanta, and her parents have always, um, her grandparents have always done a big family trip out there. They're from Maryland originally, do like a crab feast type deal. So it's, it's, it's fascinating to me because I grew up in Louisiana where, you know, we do crawfish boils, we do like crab boils as well and everything, but it's just interesting to see something that is essentially the it serves the same function culturally right everybody gets on the table you dump the seat through it out on the table you get messy you're having fun it's very social you're talking you're working to get your food as you're picking the crab and everything but the flavors are pretty vastly different right like there's major differences in tony's and obey and 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 how they season and steaming them versus boiling them so it's um it's really cool man it's it's, it's nice to get to uh, learn some of the ways of my DMV brethren. Let's get to one of the uh, questions that we definitely wanted to pose to you. What's been the reaction down there? Your reaction, fan reaction, talk show reaction to the LSU 2024 SEC schedule? I mean, it's the best schedule uh, I've ever seen. Now, now the SEC part in particular is is really cool, and it's somewhat friendly. I mean, you get Vanderbilt on there, which is great, if you're just talking about competitively trying to win. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you, you have Alabama, which I love. You have A&M, which I love. Uh, you have Oklahoma, which is sexy and weird and awesome. Um, and, and then, you like, I, I can't remember exactly the home slate off the top of my head. I, I do remember, the, I, like, as far as the away slate, you still get to go to the Swamp. You get to go to Kyle Field. I think both of those are top ten venues in the entire country. Um, so I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a massive fan of it, especially because – on top of the eight SEC games, which I all think are pretty damn good, uh, you get USC in Las Vegas to open, and you play UCLA, which, by the 2024 gene of college football, that's a couple of Big Ten teams. I mean, who does, as a fan, I hate cupcake games. I want to see good on good every single week. You're telling me you're going to give me eight legitimate SEC games and two Big Ten teams? That's a schedule I'm going to fall in love with. Absolutely. There's no you don't think with this schedule now that coming out and that they're going to try to remove, let's say, the UCLA game or the Southern Cal game or get out of the contract. Right. No, no, I see. I see absolutely no reason to. And I've heard nothing to that. Um, to that I mean, definitely not USC in Vegas. Right. Like, like that thing is set. There's way too many moving parts. It makes sense for both sides to do it. Um, and then I haven't heard anything on the UCLA front. So I would I would still imagine it's a bit different than something like Georgia Oklahoma where obviously they were supposed to play this year and they get rid of it because they're joining next year. Um, it's it's a bit different. One thing that I think LSU fans do want to get done eventually is and it will just naturally with how the new setup's going to work um, is Texas making a return trip to Baton Rouge. If you remember Joe Burrow and Sam Allegra had that crazy game early in 2019 before he really knew who LSU was going to be. And that was in Austin. And they were set to come back in 2020 only for the pandemic to ruin it. So uh, eventually that, that game is going to be a lot of fun as well. Um, I had a T Bob Abert, our guest here on WNSP. I had an LSU fan text me and, and felt like LSU got screwed with their schedule. And I just, I don't, I don't see it. I, 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 Dude, I, I I think I'm sorry, Mark. Go, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I just felt like not that anybody really got a favorable schedule because the, it's a pretty daunting task with all of them. But I thought it was a very navigable uh, schedule as the SEC schedules go. 
No, I completely agree. Dude. I mean, look, let's be clear. Anybody who gets Vanderbilt, I mean, that's, you're already scoring on the friendlier side. Yeah. Right? And yeah. I like what Clark Lee is building there. But I'm not going to lie, I feel intimidated for Clark Lee after just really – like the Oklahoma Tech thing is so interesting because it's one thing to hear about it. Yeah. And then like most things in life, it's another thing to see it, right? And a lot of the SEC East teams to me are kind of feeling this change more than the SEC West because, I mean, objectively, the West has been much more competitive. Like one of the big takeaways to me is like, welcome to the party, Georgia. you kind of been sandbagging it. Okay. Well, now you're getting the full brunt of what it feels like to play a truly good SEC schedule. Um, and it's like Alabama. Alabama has some of some things that are very toughly set up, but at the same time, they get a nice little Eastern reprieve, right? Yeah. They do the, I think it's like Mizzou, Vandy, and maybe South Carolina or Kentucky, one or the other. Um, so it's really like the only people that I feel really bad for, I think Mississippi State got a brutal draw, and I'm not sure – how Zach Arnett is going to be anyway, right? Like, it's already such an odd situation to begin with. And then I think Oklahoma got yeah, just, uh, they did. just an FU welcome to the SEC. <laughs> yeah. We're not in Kansas anymore uh, type of schedule. So, no, I think, like, Bama, LSU, like, Georgia's hard. But to me, that's like, okay, the rent is due, okay? Georgia has the most pathetic schedule I've ever seen in my entire life this year. Um, so I, I'm with you, Mark. I feel like it was, you know, it's always going to be tough, right? Just to varying degrees. And I feel like, yeah, no, I don't know. I, I don't feel like anybody really should be roundly complaining. Maybe like say for Mississippi state and, uh, and Oklahoma. And there's one more. I can't remember off the top of my head though. T-Bob Bear, our special guest this morning. Always enjoy having his witty comments. You know, when I watch that show on the SEC Network and they bring in the analyst and, oh, who's got the toughest schedule? Oh, I think it's this. I think it's Oklahoma. I think it's Florida. I'm thinking, wait a second. The toughest schedule is Vanderbilt. There's nobody that comes close as far as the toughest schedule than Vanderbilt. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, you're not wrong, dude. Like, like, I look at Mississippi State. I think they may be the only close, and I see, like, it feels like two and six just on the on the surface, right? Vanderbilt feels. Um, I mean, like you look at Vandy, you're right, Mark. Like uh, Mizzou, okay, maybe Kentucky. Like I don't think they'd be favored in any of these eight games. Um, but but let's be clear. Like the other thing about this is, as much as I was upset with the SEC for not going to nine games. Um, I kind of feel like I'm just a hot air gas bag that wasted a lot of time because the schedule is awesome. Yeah, because and now we get Georgia going to T Town. We get the rebirth of Texas, Texas A&M. You get kind of a sexy matchup in Tennessee, Oklahoma, with Josh Heupel returning back home to Norman. It's, uh, I mean, I even love some sneaky ones like Texas having to go to Fayetteville, well, Southwest Conference yeah. action. Uh, so. I, it's, you know, man, I sat here and complained about uh, no nine games, and, well, I'm all happy now. This looks awesome. Yeah, and, like, Florida and Mississippi State, like, the whole Scott Strickland thing, it's like, you know how we always accuse, like, the NCAA basketball committee or the college football playoff committee of trying to put together matchups, and they're like, nah, nah, it's just kind of how it happened. I feel like they tried to make some of these things happen, right? Yes. No, no, absolutely. I mean, let's, let's – which you should, right? Like, sure. Like, this is – Everything in the college game right now leads to television. And when you look at television and the TV market, the only thing that people seem to care about live anymore is sports. 
right? So what that does, it's a force multiplier on the advertising value during these games, which becomes a force multiplier on the TV contracts and the revenue they're in. It's why conferences like the ACC look to be in long-term trouble because they can't keep up because they're locked into these awful contracts. Um, it's the reason why the SEC didn't push to go to nine games because ESPN would not reopen the contract in good faith and, you know, maybe give an additional $5 million. So I guess the point of it is, if everything is leading to TV, well, you have to create the best TV matchups. And if you do that, the product increases, viewership increases, money increases, everybody wins. You going to Nashville? Uh, yes, yes. I'm very excited. I've never been to Nashville, boys. Huh. Pumped. How about Heard that? It's awesome. Uh, I'm gonna do a uh, so I host a, a, me and Aaron Murray do like a like a college football podcast. It's called Snaps. You know, shameless plug here. Everybody check it out YouTube.com/slash at Volume Snaps or if you just Google Snaps podcast, you can find it. But my goal, my one goal for Nashville is I want to be on one of those uh, those rolling bars. You know, those bike bars. <laughs> I want to do a live pod from the bike bar. Uh, ideally with a bachelorette party also on the bike bar with us, but if that, like, I get it, yeah. maybe even a bachelor party could be fun, but, uh, but yeah, I want to do a live snap show from the bike bar national. And if I do that, it will have been a successful trip. T-Bob, before we let you go, a settle a debate Lee and I were having earlier. So we were talking about the chiefs getting their super bowl rings. Uh, Lee said that he's pro he's not wearing his out for fear of they're so expensive. It'll get lost. It'll get stolen, blah, 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 whatever me. I'm flaunting that thing at least until I get bored with it. I'm everywhere with it. I don't leave the house without it. Where do you stand on that issue? I, I am also, I'm, I'm probably a little, I'm probably mainly in the Lee vein there. Like any rings I have just stay in a box kind of tucked away, but, 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 but. Um, back in the day, like when I would be driving back from uh, Baton Rouge to Atlanta, going back home, um, I would actually wear my ring in case I got pulled over somewhere. <laughs> Just as a little subtle conversation starter. But you'll appreciate this little detail. When I crossed into Alabama, I would take it off. And then when I got out of Alabama, I would put it immediately back on. That's awesome. So I, I didn't want to, uh, you know, I, it's like sometimes I wanted people to ask about it. But maybe in Alabama, I didn't want him to see like the Death Valley on there and everything. Yeah. So, you know, just shuttle it to the side. Hey. Uh, and, and then put it back on after. Great stuff, man. It's good to catch up with you. It's been far too long. Tell everybody again how they can catch up with you and all the uh, SEC and LSU information you're, you're you're sharing with the folks. Yeah, well, y'all should stay listening to Mark and Lee, right? But if you ever want to do some hate listening and just LSU sunshine pumping, um, <laughs> me and Jay Kester do do a uh, morning show off the bench, 7 to 10 a.m. You can find it at YouTube.com slash at uh, YouTube.com slash 104.5 ESP or whatever. Uh, and then just Google Snaps Podcast. And I, I think it's a lot of fun, man. It's daily. Listen to it whenever. It's 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 a good time. Thank you. And, and you know, it's always fun, boys. I hope you all have a great morning, great weekend. Yep, you too, man. Have a great trip to the beach. We'll be in touch. Yes, sir. Lady out. That's T-Bob Bear, ladies and gentlemen. Never disappoints. All right, let's come back. A little Chick-fil-A. How about a little Chick-fil-A for the folks? And uh, coming up at 7, we'll uh, we'll talk to John Ricchetti about the U.S. Open. What are some of the uh, great players slash athletes to never win a title? We've, we've answered some obvious ones, but we only bring that up because uh, Ricky Fowler was one of those guys, right? One of two guys who shoot a 62 yesterday in round one. Got us thinking about some of the guys... 
that have never won. Would you be willing, would you want to be considered one of the greats if the only way that could happen is if at the end it said who had never won a title? And help us, if you were a Kansas City Chief or any player that won a championship ring, would you be flaunting it or is it under lock and key to protect it? The opening kickoff wraps up hour number one next right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Hey, this is Slick Willie Shaw from the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, and you're listening to Sports Radio WNSP 105.5 FM. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. All right, 6.53 here, so and... Uh, Another way to kick off the weekend with a little Chick-fil-A. What do you got for the well, fine I've got, folks uh, today? A golf question for you, and it has to do with the majors. And we played up the fact, and we'll do so with Ricchetti coming on in a few minutes. The 62, the lowest score ever in a U.S. Open. The It's not the only 62, though, in a major mark. There was one other golfer who posted a 62 and another one of the four majors. If you can name that one person, the other, the only other golfer who ever shot a 62 and another major, that Chick-fil-A gift card is yours, 694-1055. So we asked about guys who had uh, great players that hadn't won, right? So we got the Marino and the Barkley and the app like you and I talked about. A couple other ones that uh, came up that you don't generally talk about off the top of your head, Earl Campbell. Ernie Banks. Do you even know who Ernie Banks is? Uh, and uh, and uh, Merlin Olson. Yeah, those are very good ones. I asked you about Adrian Peterson. Was he ever on a championship team? I don't, I don't think he was. Yeah, I don't think so. Here's another one for you. Because we often re- reference the Buffalo Bills, Jim Kelly. Yeah, I mean, that dude had four, four shots at Four it. shots at it, right? <laughs> four consecutive shots. Yeah. Didn't work out. Missed field goal there by Norwood, and after that, everything went downhill. Yeah. But as far as uh, – and baseball, there's been a ton of them because, let's face it, for so many years, either the Yankees dominated or the Dodgers or the Cardinals. So there are a lot of great baseball players who – and you mentioned Ernie Banks. Ernie Banks was a two-time MVP. Let's play two. You know, that was his uh, motto. He was a terrific player, but they didn't even come close. I mean, the Cubs were never even in it, uh, except that year in 69 where the uh, Mets uh, beat him out. Uh, Adrian Peterson did, has not won one, uh, so that's a good one. Um, but I mentioned Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. I remember him being, and he was certainly a great player. Um, Eric Dickerson has never won one. How about that? Um have you and on this is a good subject, but there's another one too that crossed my mind today, and, and maybe it's a question for another day. Athletes who, <laughs> but ask it anyway. <laughs> I'm going to athletes who, for whatever reason, everything they do goes downhill. Trouble finds them. Antonio Brown, his uh, he owns a team in this Arena Football League. Does and, he really? Yes, and it's been terminated. The other teams have 
basically thrown him out, and they fined him $1,000. He just got involved with just a couple of months ago. It just seems wherever he turns, trouble follows him. He's got one of those dark clouds over his head. Here he gets involved with the Arena Football League, the something empires, something like that. And the uh, league, he, because of default on payments, they didn't make their payments. There's a surprise. So because of that, they've been tossed from the league. And he's been fined for comments he made about the league. But, I mean, you can't, you can't pick, go a, a, a week without Antonio Brown still being in the news. And it's never for a positive. Hmm. I guess... Uh... Terrell Owens comes to mind. Well, there, there are a couple guys. Like, there's the one that's there. Those that are always in like legal trouble, but they're the ones that are always get negative press. That doesn't well, always. And they have that resume that goes with it. Yeah. Now Ryan um, Leaf was like that for John a while, but John thankfully, Moran. I was just gonna say John Moran. <laughs> but but Ryan Leaf Zion. has tur- turned it around, and you know things are going well for him now. He's a broadcaster, but for a long time, Ryan Leaf fell into that. Yeah. Zion doesn't exactly get good press. It's ben always something. Did you, did you see we, we yeah. got a follow up this where they there there's reports that they may want to trade him? Zion? Yes. There are reports, I don't know if they're accurate, can't confirm them, that they what they want to do, and maybe our podcaster of extraordinaire means, we have one here right on this show. The uh rumor, and like I say, it's just a rumor, they want to trade him move up and get Scoot Henderson. Is that true, Nick? Yeah, we discussed that on uh, the podcast Root and I did yesterday. And, and you have know, you confirmed look, it? If Charlotte were to get LaMelo and Zion, they w- might not win any games, but they'll be all over uh, the Instagram reels for sure. Yeah, and and I, I understand where New Orleans is going with this. They're just sick and tired of the fact the guy doesn't play. Simple as that. Well, and he's appears to be um, now I would working ask, on the cardio in non-traditional ways when it yes. comes to the NBA. Nick, I would ask you, is Scoot Henderson an elite player? Yes. Because he was in the G League, so I don't know much about him. Although, do we want to really ship Zion? I mean, he's doing so much for the local culinary economy there in New Orleans. He'd still come back and visit. So they, got, they got some good barbecue up in uh, North Carolina. Yeah, but nothing quite hits like a beignet. Yeah, but then, then he's back to where he started in college, Duke. Yeah. All but right, it, hour number two, John Ricchetti, Alec Naiman, Dan Jennings, and, of course, you. It's the opening kickoff here on the Sports Station. Oh, you know, someone's got a birthday coming up tomorrow. I'll share with who that might be. You? No. Because you just had one. I didn't know if you were going to celebrate again. Yeah, I'm trying to catch you. Stay with us. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, here we are, our number two. Uh, here on a Friday, man. Uh, by the way, before we go any further, we'll talk about it in a second. But do want to wish a happy birthday to our own Triple G. Tomorrow, he turns to the ripe old age of 12 or whatever it is. So, 
mature years or regular age? No, I think he's literally going to be 12. Well, I think before the show ends, you should sing Happy Birthday. You've done it before to people. I have? Yes, you have. Only people that are I, 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 uh, I respect. I still think you should at least try a couple lines of Happy Birthday to Nick. He deserves it. All right, we'll see what we can do. All right, I think that's fair. Nick, did we get a winner on the golf question? We did, yes. All right, let's see if John Ricchetti knows the answer. John Ricchetti with the Miller Lite Golf Report, uh, front and center, the big story, of course, the U.S. Open. Johnny, here's the question we pose. Who was the only other golfer ever in a major to post a 62? Other, uh, other, other, other golf. Well, there's two of them yesterday. Yeah, that would not. Okay, all right, yeah. those two. But there was only one other golfer that ever posted a 62 in a major. Okay, I got me. But was it Greg Norman? No, Brandon Chance, British Open, the Open, 62. Brandon. Ch- 62. Well, yeah. you guys, you, you got me there. 2017. I didn't know that one. But. All right. Well, the Chick-fil-A uh, goes to Mark again. Woo-hoo! He's going to be. Uh, Thank well. you. Thank you, Johnny. All right, Johnny. Yeah, you're welcome, Mark. I'm, I'm, <laughs> listen, if that's the case, I'm impressed with Mark Hyde that he really knew that. He didn't know. He just gets the, uh, if somebody doesn't get it right. I, I just, he, I just get no it clue. because you didn't. That's, <laughs> that's why I'm all. thanking you. He doesn't know. Oh, okay. Well, that's impressive. But he, either way, you guys are impressive. He anyway. already but shocked me today. Impre- he already shocked me and telling me who knew Ernie Banks was. That would really st- uh, stump me. All right. Uh, the U.S. Open. All week long, we've been told that people would be, the golfers would be lucky to break par. Yesterday looked like one of the easiest courses in America. What happened? Well, the, I mean, honestly, um, it's it's the scoring was probably the lowest at opening day at a U.S. Open. No, I, did you realize? I just realized this early this morning that nobody shot in the 80s in the opening round of the U.S. Open, which is extremely rare. Uh, I think that you know the marine layer never really lifted in L.A. yesterday. And the conditions were soft. They did get some sprinkles of rain. And uh, that's the reason. The fairways are wide, but, yes, they're firm and fast. Uh, and it, they moved a lot of tees up yesterday. Um, it's just one of those things that the course is soft and so forth. And uh, the greens are exceptional, and these guys are just tearing the place up. Uh, so that what that mean today is I think the, the, the USJ will move some tees back. It's going to play a lot tougher. Um, we just got to get, and they predict the weather is going to get, you know, get some sunny weather, and, and these fairways and greens will move firm and faster, which will result in higher scoring. Uh, but listen, let's give credit where credit is too. This Ricky Fowler, uh, 62, he made 10 birdies. Xander Shoffley, just moments later, 62, tying another record. Bogey free, 62. Uh, you know, I think they got six players at 65 or better in an opening round of the U.S. Open. Unheard of. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes it's good to watch people make birdies and so forth. But uh, I like to see a little tougher today, which I'm pretty confident that you'll see a different outlook today and scoring might be a little higher. But these guys are really, really good. Uh, it's a great golf course. Um I, I was kind of shocked at what I had seen. Matter of fact, my phone was blowing up. Everybody talking to me about what's going on at LA Country Club. Uh, but you know that's what happens when golf courses get 
soft when they're supposed to play firm and fast. So let me ask you this. When is the last time Ricky Fowler's been relevant? When's the last time he's even won a tournament? It's been a while. I think he shot opening in 2017. He shot seven under in the opening round at the at the U.S. Open. But, no, he's back in form. Um, he's getting better and better. He's trending in the right direction. I always talk about trending in the game of golf, and Ricky has been trending. He might not have won. Uh, but uh, you, you look at a guy possibly in his career that's due to win a major, uh, you know, you look right at Rick, you look, got to look at Ricky Fowler too. But then the same thing, Xander Shoffley is another guy. I think in the last six U.S. Opens, he has finished in the top 15. His game is built for U.S. Opens, a great ball striker. Uh, so he'll be around. Uh, I think he's going to be around come Sunday after. Sunday evening, our our time, and also you know Rory McIlroy, a lot to talk about him, and uh, he had a solid opening round too. He's right in the equation also, so I think a lot of good players there. The only couple guys I looked at, uh, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, didn't have their best stuff yesterday, but hopefully they can rebound today. Books kept also ended up at one over par yesterday to John Rahm at under par. He's at one under. So a lot of great story, lots of golf to be played. But I got a funny hunch that Sunday evening is going to be some awesome TV and theater at this tournament. Well, hopefully there'll be no weather issues. <laughs> we'll be able to watch it. No. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm with you. I, that, I, I'm with you. That's so, my little uh, uh, rant. We, we wouldn't have any weather issues here in Mobile, so we actually get to watch it. So let me ask you this. If you played the North Course, John, and you're a pretty good golfer, yes. what would you shoot? What do you think you could shoot at that North Course? Well, I've played it uh, not obviously in these conditions uh, at a major championship, but I can tell you, uh, yeah, I'm a pretty good golfer, but I could not break 80. You think you did around 80, though? I, I would say I'd be probably hovering around 85. That's hard to believe that nobody uh, got it in 80, though. Usually you see a couple of guys uh, there. and Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's that's what I'm saying. The scoring was, I think, it's one of the lowest opening days in U.S. Open history for scoring. Uh, but they had a lot, like I said, you know, I just mentioned earlier, Lee, yeah, so what, six guys at 65 or better? Do you think, do you think uh, the, the USGA, the officials who are in charge, so they go into a private room at night and say, this is ridiculous. we gotta, we got to make this tougher. Do you think they actually meet like that and are, are, are disgusted that the scores were so low? Uh, yes, they do meet. Yes, they do discuss scoring. Yes, they do discuss how to set up a golf course. That's 100% true. Uh, I'm not – no, they're not disgusted that scoring is at uh, – it's just the way it works out. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It just happened to be you can't control Mother Nature. And, uh, they will, yeah, they there is a committee that decides the course setup, how the course is going to be played, you know, taking in, in consideration the weather, wind directions, when they're setting up tees and so forth uh, and so forth. Yeah, but I, I don't think they're disgusted with the scoring, but uh, they have a target what they'd like to see a score, a winner's score, because the U.S. Open is supposed to test the best player. It's supposed to be the toughest test in all of golf, and obviously yesterday it did not did not show that, but you know, at the end of the day, let's give credit where credit is due. These guys are great athletes, and uh, they played some great golf on a great venue, 
And I think the L.A. Country Club will probably be a little tougher uh, come All right. Before I let you go, give me the winner. Who are we going to see Sunday getting the trophy? Uh, I'm going to go with it's going to be a first-time winner, and I think I'm going to go with Xander Shoffley. Hey, uh, Johnny, have a great weekend. Enjoy the Open. Happy Father's Day. We'll talk at you Monday. All right, guys, keep up the good work. I'll talk to you guys Monday, and happy Father's Day to everybody. That's John Ricchetti, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up in this hour, Alec Naiman and Dan Jennings. Uh, you guys will get a chance to chime in as well. Have you guys seen this Deion Sanders story, by the way? He is still having issues with the blood flow in his feet. As you guys know, Deion Sanders had two toes amputated. Doctors have warned him that if he doesn't slow down, he faces he, he doesn't feel anything in his foot right now. He faces potential amputation. Do we know how that occurred, though, That uh, as far as where this started, how, when? Um, and, and, and the fact that he can't feel anything? Uh, have they told him to stay off his feet? Have they told him don't stand? Yeah, much? they've told him he's got to slow down, and he's basically said, uh, I have no plans of slowing down. So um, I, I don't know why or how this has become an issue with with this with the circulation um but um there's issues with the blood pressure um in the lower leg i didn't even know that was a thing um so yeah this is a very i mean this is a this is a real thing i mean one of the one of the guys said he could lose the foot how how nuts is that um so we'll have to keep an eye on that. Basically, the arteries have shut down. Crazy. Uh, all right. So a couple things we need to hear from you guys. Uh, we've been talking about with Ricky Fowler shooting the 62. He's kind of one of those guys that talks about that talk about guys that great players that have never won championships. How would you would you be willing? Would you be for being known as a great player? But the only way you could be known as a great player is if it followed with the tagline, who's never won a championship. We've been, and then we asked you to name some. Obviously, Dan Marino, Charles Barkley. We named a whole, some guys earlier today, named a whole bunch of them. We, we encourage you to, to give us your take on some of the greatest players who've never won championships in any sport. But the only, how would you feel about the only way being known as a great champion or a great player came with the tag? Who's never won a championship? Give you another one. Elgin Baylor. Yeah. Elgin Baylor just missed out. I think he retired the year before the Lakers won the championship. Injuries and age caught up to him. Great, great player. And then the other thing we talked about, Kansas City got these massive, just massive rings. And Lee and I are always, as always, are at odds. Maybe Nick over here can break our, our, our opening kickoff tie. You get a championship ring. Is it under lock and key to protect, as Lee suggests? Like, that's what Lee would do. Or are you doing what Heim's doing? At least for the first week, couple weeks, month or whatever, you're waving around and showing it off wherever you go. What What are you doing, Nick? Get for it at a pawn shop. (laughs) You're that guy? (laughs) Um, Let's say it's, let's say for, it's either an NCAA or professional league championship. So it's it's going to be worth a, a pretty penny. 
I don't know if I would wear it around, but I don't think I would hide it either. I think I'd have it um, firmly placed up on my mantle. You scoot the pictures of the kids and the wife aside, and you put it right there in the middle. Your new baby. Our new baby's home. <laughs> I'm not saying, I, I'm, not saying I'm, putting, I'm, not, I'm not walking around just shoving it in people's faces, but I'm, I'm making it readily uh, available. How much does this weigh again? The the baby or the, uh, the ring? no the ring it's part of my aversion to wearing it is just I don't like wearing jewelry period something like this weighs quite a bit I mean I don't I don't know if players wa- waltz around with this now I, we had a guest in here years and years ago a uh, NFL player who had just won a Super Bowl. He had it locked. Uh, I think he said he had it locked up in his car because I asked him to bring the ring into the studio, but he didn't. I remember that. Yeah. Joseph Bynes, the former Auburn linebacker. But I don't know if this is something, Mark, that you really want to walk around wearing because it seems like it's pretty heavy. It. Uh, I got in my, my initial Google search, it appears it's there a quarter of a pound, which doesn't sound heavy, but when you got that on one Finger. Old cheeseburger on your hand. It's a great. That's a great point. And you wouldn't now. Would you wear this Hold into a nightclub at night? Would you flaunt this at a nightclub at night? You're asking for trouble you if you to. do. Yes. I think I'd only take it out of the shrine that I built for it to wear it to the nightclub. So Mark's at the bar, ordering up a sarsaparilla, <laughs> yeah. and he's waving Love a sarsaparilla, yes. and, 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 wa- and waving this ring yeah. in front of everybody, and you think you're getting out of there in one piece? Yeah. Good luck to you. Meanwhile, Nick's on his maybe, hands and maybe knees. Maybe you have Where, a couple extra pieces alongside. <laughs> yeah, and, and Nick's on his hands and knees. Everybody's like, what's Wiggins? Oh, he dropped the ring again. He's looking for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. By the way, if, if I'm winning, a, say, a Super Bowl ring, I'm thinking I'm thinking I can probably handle it in, any trouble that comes my way. And I'm thinking if I lose it, you know, I know I'm going to get another one next year. Right, yeah. And you're probably, you know, you're not hanging out by yourself, so you got your guys with you. So it's not like people are trying to, like, come up behind you and slide it off your finger and beat you over the head to take the ring. I think most people are going to just want to check it out, right? Me, They're going to want to see the ring. Or, or There's probably people. I just We just saw, what, a robbery last week. Some Cleveland Browns were robbed and so forth. You know, I don't think people are going to be particular if you're wearing that ring. The people of this country are good-hearted for the most part. For the you most always, part. You always point out the negative. Well, that's yeah. based working with you. but uh, Good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there, if somebody wants that ring, I don't think they're going to be very particular. We'll take the finger with it. Probably worth more. All right, 694-1055 is the number. Let's get you a scoreboard. Yes. Do we have time for one? Yes, we do. Uh, Kemp, Kempco Metal Builders sponsoring it. What time? Is, I haven't even looked at the time. What time is it? That clock over there would indicate it's seven twenty. Oh, we don't have much time. We got naming, so we'll uh, we'll junk the scoreboard. Online production. I can't even see <laughs> On the air. clock. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. It's blank. It's 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 not visible. Is what I'm saying. You can't come up with a better clock than that? Talk to our interior designer <laughs> okay, over there. I will. <laughs> Stay with us. It's WNSP.
Uh, this is Jim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile, listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP. Welcome back in. It's the opening kickoff. Alec Naiman joins us from Naiman's Catering. Alex got a question for you. Father's Day, should the dad stay home and do the grilling, or should the family take him out to dinner? It's his day. Well, you know, uh, listen, now, now, mamas, you don't make mamas cook for themselves, but daddy don't mind grilling out. I got to tell you, daddy thinks that's a joy, all right? Now, you know, listen, Father's Day, what's more important? than being around with your kids, okay, and being honored by your kids. And so, you know, they, daddies like gumbo, hey, they like crab soup. They like uh, New Orleans-style barbecue shrimp, okay. That's, daddy likes a steak on the grill. That daddy's simple, okay. He don't dress up. He puts on his, those little ugly shorts of his, wears, wears his black socks and, and his shoes, and, uh, and he looks like a dad, you know what I mean? He can be embarrassing, but I tell you what, <laughs> We honor our dads, don't we? I tell you, I'm blessed to have mine. 98 years old, going to be 99. It's such an honor. My children, uh, my children honor me, so I'm blessed too. So all I can tell you is, guys, if you need some gumbo, you need some crab soup, you need something to make dad's life easier this weekend, yeah, you give us a call at 473-3900. Hey, guys, y'all have a great week. Happy Father's Day to both of you guys. Y'all got some great children and I'll tell you, it, uh, we're honored, aren't we? Uh, we proud are. to be a dad. That's very awesome. nice. Thank, very nice words, Alex. We'll talk to you next week, okay? You be safe. And Have a great week. You get out to that grill and get it fired up. That's uh, Alec Naiman, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you guys got a minute or so. If you want to jump in, you can at 694-1055. So years ago, I think it was my first or second year moving to Mobile, when he mentioned that New Orleans-style uh, barbecue shrimp. Mm-hmm. So we were going to New Orleans. And I had asked somebody you know very well had recommended a restaurant. I don't know the name of it. I don't even know if it's in existence anymore. But they raved about the shrimp. Manali's. I don't know the name of it. Wow. So we went there. And you know how I, how much I enjoy waiting. You, you're a very Love patient it. man. Very patient man. So we're in the lounge waiting to get seated. The Dodger baseball game was on TV. It started... That game ended before we got seated. We didn't get served till around 11 o'clock at night. It was over a three-hour wait. Were the shrimp good? I can't remember. <laughs> no, you know what, Mark? In my opinion, nothing's good after waiting that long. Uh, I don't know about the that. The longest wait, I would never, ever, ever. I vowed I would never do that again. You know the saying, the best come to those who wait. Um, Dan Jennings is next. We'll talk some Texas football with C.J. Vogel at 8 o'clock. Brian Matthews on Auburn at 8.30. The opening kickoff continues here on a Friday edition. Stay with us. Ground ball up the middle. Lane Thomas gives the Nationals the lead right back. A wide turn around first. Lane, a double in the eighth, 
And now a go-ahead single. 7.32 here on a Friday. Want to wish you and yours a happy uh, Father's Day weekend. We're not there yet, but we're inching ever so closer. Stay in your lane, Lane Thomas. Seems like the only time I see him get hits against the Atlanta Braves. But for the Washington Nationals, he sparked a three-run 10th inning. And, Danny, it's always nice to have you come on and we can highlight a Washington National victory. Congratulations. Hey, good morning, guys. I like that, too. It makes me feel good. It Kicks does. the day off in a good way. What are you doing Father's Day? You coming home or are you going to still be on the road? I'm actually going to fly home Sunday. I'm in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, seeing our double-A team up here. And uh, I'm going to fly home Sunday morning and uh, spend it with my dad and boys. So should be a fun, uh, should be a fun Sunday. Hey, did you go to Hershey for the uh, Hershey uh, chocolate? I'm actually staying. Uh, I'm staying in Hershey, but I haven't. Uh, I haven't gone there yet. Some of the some of the coaches were saying to me last night. Said, "Man, you ought to roll over there. It's a pretty interesting, uh, interesting tour." So maybe I will today because it's raining. All right, uh, some baseball and then some football. Some baseball. The Nevada governor has signed the bill. All that awaits the Oakland A's being moved, relocated. Is the vote by the owners? Is that going to be an issue? Uh, I, an issue, no. I think it passes, um, but I think there will be some. Uh, you know, you'll you'll have the conversation again about uh, a floor and a ceiling on some type of minimal salaries that uh, payroll-wise, salary-wise, uh, it get talked about. I think uh, I think it's going to happen. I hate it for the fans, the true fans of Oakland. You think back to, you know, the great Oakland A teams of 72, 73, 74 that won it. And then they've had other teams, you know, when Moneyball come into play. And they, they've done some things out there that have been good. It's easy to point all the blame at the owner. The owner turns around and goes, I've tried forever to get a new stadium. Um, the venue is not what you need to keep current with the the baseball of uh, 2023. The fans don't show up. The fans do show up when things are good. Then they have a reverse protest the other night, and I think they drew like 27. So there's enough blame to go around as why. Um, But I, I just, I hate to see franchises move. I understand why you do it. And you know what? There's no guarantee that it's going to be successful in Vegas. Um, I think it has all the components there, but Vegas is fast and it's furious. But in terms of a market, it's going to be mid to small market. It's not a huge market uh, where TV revenue is concerned. You've been associated in your past with two franchises, Tampa and Miami, which has, have not exactly been great drawing areas. True, when Miami you know, got to the World Series and won, but then they dismantled the team and so forth, and Tampa's never been a lightning rod for fans. There's always been rumors of Tampa maybe moving, or I don't know about Miami anymore. I guess they're pretty well stationed where they are. But uh, So pretty much you're against any relocation, even if fans don't show up? I think that when you look at the relocation, it basically is a failure. To some degree, it's a failure. I hate to think that any city that is picked by baseball 
for to to host one of the 30 teams fails because I think that's a negative on the sport. Um, but again, it's a revenue business and it is a business. And if you're not uh, generating the revenue that's needed, then the relocation at times becomes necessary. I, I think back all the way to 1995, uh, and I'm working with Seattle, and truly Seattle didn't think we were going to get a new stadium. Uh, we had the refuse to you uh, refuse to lose year when you know we won the uh, we won the West when Griffey scored from first base on Edgar's base hit, and it saved baseball in Seattle. Now they built a new stadium. Baseball is thriving out there, and and what looked like the end of the line turned into a big positive. Rob Anford, the commissioner, says no robo umps for 2024. What do you think? I I, I think it's good. I, I uh, last week watched it in AAA. And uh, it's amazing to sit there when you see the either the batter, the catcher, or the pitcher challenge the call, and they put on the jumbotron the big uh, the box, and you see the pitch coming slowly in, and the graphic shows that either yes, it hit one of the lines on the box, or no, it didn't, and the call stands, or the call's overturned, and uh, they got people in the stands betting on the ball or strike call, which was kind of <laughs> funny. I thought the fans probably enjoyed it more than the uh, than the players and the umpire. Mark raised the question with Ricky Fowler uh, getting the 62, who's been billed as the greatest or best golfer never to win a major. Can you uh, think of some athletes out there, great athletes who were never on a championship team in their career? We he mentioned Ernie Banks, which really uh, a throwback. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. He didn't play on a, a championship team, did he? No, Griffey Jr. didn't. I stood right next to a guy when we received our World Series rings, and I watched tears roll down his face because he played 21 years in the big leagues. He's a Hall of Famer, and we got our rings side by side, and that's Andre Dawson. And uh, there's so many, so many guys that you look at over the course of greatness, just tremendous careers, and for whatever reason, they failed to uh, they failed to play for the biggest prize. And you know, a lot of them, uh, a lot of them have animosity. You know, there, there's frustration because of it. And uh, you know, I, I watched Hawk get that ring, and it was very touching. He uh, he was truly appreciative of it. You know, another name that I just thought of. Of long long ago because we've talked about hitting 400 Ted Williams he never he never got a ring Ted Williams didn't I think uh, I think if you look back at some of the great quarterbacks you know back in the uh, in that generation of the 70s you know some guys that were tremendous but never never won it never got the ring Marino I don't think ever got a ring you're right about that. Hey, what do you think about this Field of Dreams game? Rickwood Park, is that is that on the books for sure? Giants-Cardinals to, in uh, 2024? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's going to be a tribute to the Negro Leagues and the uh, the Birmingham Barons that used to play there. I think it's amazing that uh, you know they're going to keep Rickwood's the oldest uh, oldest baseball park still operable in the uh, in the country, and I think it speaks volumes to the ballpark number one, the state of Alabama, city of Birmingham, a lot of great legends and, and memories there for me. Um, the the guy. 
guy, uh, Piper Davis, who was the manager of the uh, the Black Barons, I got to know. And, uh, man, oh, man, I could sit and listen to Piper tell stories about uh, those ball clubs and, and the Negro Leagues and having a young, uh, a young 16-year-old Willie Mays in his outfield and just uh, tremendous. And I think it's great that they're going to come in, and certainly MLB will – We'll put a lot of money into that to, you know, get it to today's standards and um, a lot like they do in uh, Iowa and create something that's going to be special and hopefully uh, will continue to be used after that game and allow kids, you know, college kids, high school kids to play and have a great experience. Dan Jennings, assistant general manager of the Washington Nationals, of course, very well versed in football, too. What do you think of the SEC schedule for 2024, and notably Alabama? Get ready. It's time to strap it on because, man, oh, man, I looked at that schedule. First of all, when you add Georgia to any schedule in any year, it pretty much goes to the top of the class. And then when you look at Alabama with, the, you know, the Auburn, Tennessee, LSU, not to mention Wisconsin's on there as well. So uh, it's not going to be for the faint of heart, but it's sure going to be a great uh, for, the, for the fans and all of us who like to watch college football that love it. It's got a chance to be, uh, it's got a chance to be absolutely uh, a lot of fun and playing some of the big time programs in the country that you know good and well come January are going to be right in the thick of it for the championship. Any teams in there that you kind of wish were still on the schedule? Like I, Ole Miss, I think, and Mississippi State, I, I don't remember now. I don't think they're on. Uh, yeah, I, I was a little surprised that, you know, we were not playing either school out of Mississippi. Um, but you know what? I'm sure that to some degree that'll be revolving and and uh, you'll get them on it eventually. But, man, I think when you look at, you know, putting a uh, Oklahoma on there and a Georgia on there, and um, I, I don't know that, I mean, there may be other schedules with a uh, strength of schedule as tough, but I don't think there'll be anyone out there tougher than uh, than that 24 schedule for Alabama. Dan, as always, sir, we always appreciate your insight, and uh, we wish you a, uh, a good weekend. Happy Father's Day, all that good stuff, and we'll do it again soon. Okay, guys. Happy Father's Day to you, too, and uh, you guys have a great uh, have a great weekend. Thank you. That's Dan Jennings, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, another big uh, momentous occasion this weekend. Our own Triple G, another year, another year older. You got big plans, Nick, for the birthday. You going to Chuck E. Cheese or something? Uh, no, I won't be uh, hanging out with my guy Chuck this weekend, I don't believe. I might go see a movie. Maybe. Might go see The Flash. I heard it was so-so. It's unfortunate. I was looking forward to it. I just want I want DC to have one good movie. Yeah, I just saw one clip of it online that I showed you where he's putting a baby in a microwave. Yeah, it's a little uh it's a little disturbing. Maybe I need to see the film for the context. And and it seems like that baby was just really unlucky because there were a whole lot of babies in that scene. So <laughs> yeah, I, don't I don't know, know if he was, was the going. first or the only. I'm hoping it was the only, but I guess I guess that's what they call a tease. Yeah, so I don't know. I might keep it low-key. I'm not sure. I think my days of having big birthday bashes have kind of come to, by the wayside. A lot of my crew is in 
has been dispersed across the United your crew? States. Like you're gonna ha- like have a dance off or a rap battle or something. <laughs> my crew, my squad, Lee, my posse, when, my entourage. Lee, you're you're seventy. I always six. seventy oh, six. So did you have a big one on your seventy? You didn't have no, a big. I've like, never I've never had a big birthday. No one fact, ever said let's have a big seventy five. Nobody uh, knows when it is because I don't. Relieved because I didn't get invited. <laughs> well, don't worry because nobody did, and uh, you guys never know when it is anyway. Get a couple of Chick Fil A platters. Yeah, it's your the birthday, only, Lee. The only time that I um, know about birthdays is when my my wife tells me because she saw it on Facebook. Yeah. Facebook's good for that kind of thing. Exactly, but no, people don't know when my birthday is here, and nobody ever says anything, and I don't when want is your them birthday? to. I can't remember. Oh, you've had seventy six of them. It's not can't like remember. Pull out your uh, driver's license. That'll remind <laughs> you. Do you think? Uh, do you think maybe we ought to have a big eightieth for you? I think we should. WNSP, maybe in conjunction with whatever events going on. If it, you do, be, if you do, don't put eighty candles on a cake, please. No, we can't afford that. We start a fire. Big eighty for the big lady. <laughs> <laughs> it's in February, Nick. All right, so we can February, do it. Because we missed it. So no, we miss okay. it every year. And f- when he gets to eighty, we'll do a signing day slash Shervanian special. Nick, you want to know the worst birthday I ever had? Sure. Tell him no. <laughs> yeah, tell me no, and I won't say anything. No, what's the worst? Lee, what's the worst birthday you've ever had? WNSP, years ago, all packed, ready to go to Denver, basketball game, doing the morning show. I don't even know if you were the co-host or whatever. I'm so memorable. Mr. Uh, Johnson comes in here, comes in and says, Lee, uh, I got some bad news for you. Your car has been broken into." And I'm like, what? Because we had all the equipment. Everything was packed in there. So that but didn't get off to like a good start. They left like a cookie cake inside, right? <laughs> didn't get off to a good start. So did they take the equipment? Luckily, the equipment was in the trunk. So they didn't get to that. They got all my other stuff. And I had to go home and repack. Uh, they all took the your gift th- cards, clothes, sweatshirts. Everything. Ah. So there's some broke a window. Someone, broke a window. So if anybody out there is running around in a vintage South Alabama or Sunbelt Conference <laughs> sweatshirt, chances are they stole it from Trevanian. Wear it proudly. You got to wear this time. Beware. We're on the lookout for you. And Le- this is the neighborhood you'd want to have a, a gaudy uh, ring to wear? Sure. Everybody know, man, I'm a champion. Well, we know you're a champion, but you don't need a ring to, to demonstrate you that. You wouldn't be interested in seeing a, if I had a Super Bowl ring, wouldn't, what, if I you saw it on I my finger, what would be your reaction? I, I know you're going to not like this. I don't get turned on by rings. Uh, no, you'd want to see it. I want to see you'd it, but I don't see really. The ring, which begs the question, what does turn you? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> not, not rings. There are things, but not rings. Not jewelry. That sounds like a whole nother show entirely. We'll save that for Valentine's Day. Sure, sure. My birthday right is birthday. right after Valentine's Day. We need we need to do something for the big 77th birthday. Your age can only be evenly divided by 11. Maybe well, well, let's seven get, wait times in your is, life a lot is, of the time. This is Maybe your eight. weekend. So how long is your birthday? It is a one-day celebration or a week long like a board op once had here. His birthday would go on for the whole week. Are you just a that one had day? Been Isaac. Right. Yeah, exactly right. Like yeah, that was Isaac. How about you, Nick? Are you a one day? I mean, do you get together with family or friends or what? What's going to happen? 
No, my birthdays are just another day. I find that when you keep it low-key about yourself, people pump it up more for you. Ah. So give the Super Bowl ring to your friends. No. Oh, so, like, it's working. You're keeping the birthday low-key, and I'm sitting here the one promoting it. Well played. See? <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, let's uh, let's take a break here. Come back. We'll take your phone call, 694-1055. What if I told you you could be considered a great athlete, one of the best, but in order to achieve such status, you also had to be known as a guy that didn't win a championship? How would you feel about that? Would I rather be Chris Paul or be myself? Well, I know you, so I'm going to say Chris Paul. <laughs> I think that's a pretty easy question to answer. You maybe think? to tweak it a little. All right. Well, maybe you can do that when we come back. How about that? Uh, the opening kickoff. We'll talk Texas at 8 o'clock, Auburn at 8.30. The opening kickoff continues right here on the sports station, WNSP. I'm Michael Pierce, NFL defensive tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you can normally find me at WNSP 105.5. Ozzie gets it past McMahon. At least two will score. How about three? Here comes Ronald. All right, 7.52, wrapping up our number two. Uh, you guys can jump in at 694-1055. So, go ahead. I'm sorry. Segment brought to you by the University of South Alabama, and they're selling tickets now for the opening game as well as season tickets for Jags football. The audio was Ozzie Albies uh, with the uh, three-run double in the second inning as the Braves went on to beat the Rockies 8-3. to Go ahead. Um, so, all right. So, Nick's saying we should probably maybe tweak that scenario about best to have never won a championship. Yeah, because right now the options are be your lame self, whoever you are, or be a multimillionaire athlete. No, it's we're simply saying, would you be willing? I mean, how many championships am I winning in my day to day right now? That none. But what change. I'm saying is, would you would you be willing to be? Because that's that's always. Are you willing to have that that negative kind of hanging over you though? That you could be known as great, but not really great because you never won a title. Here's the thing I don't Do understand I about Ricky Fowler. Though. Or make the salary that I'm making right now. Think about Ricky Fowler, though. It's not like he's winning regular tournaments either. I mean, he hasn't won in quite some time. And I think I read where he only really has three. So I'm not sure who started this or if this is a media-driven, the best golfer never to win a major because he hasn't really been piling up victories anyway. All right, so the better question, according to Nick Triple G Wiggins here. I think the better question would be, would you rather be a star player that never wins a ring, or would you rather be just a role player who does win rings? Like Robert Ori? Yes. Would you rather be Robert Ori or Carmelo Anthony? Carmelo actually does have a ring if you count the NCAA championship ring, but I'd probably take Carmelo's career. Tenth all, wasn't he the tenth all-time leading scorer for a while, or is? Uh, yeah, he is the tenth all-time leading scorer. All right, I take his. You take Carmelo. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're facing New York. Got your own shoe deal. Right. 
Your wife, Lala, got her own reality show. <laughs> well, I didn't know that. <laughs> Levi changes vote no, here. Yeah, all really. <laughs> Let me do a double take on that all one. All right, then. so if Miss Barber had a chance at a reality show on, like, Oxygen or whatever, Oprah wanted to do something on Barbara Shervanian and her friends that are always going out, the only hitch is you're gonna be in. You're gonna be part of it. Like you have to be it. Would you let them? Would you? Would you be okay with that? Yes, I never stand in the way of somebody who has a chance to to do something. I, I just figure that you would feel like that would be an invasion of your privacy. Lee, Lee would be like. Um, you sound like. You know who you sound like. Remember the Vanderbilt quarterback Bears Cutler when his wife did the reality show. I don't think he was too comfortable with it. Jay Cutler. Yeah, remember that. His wife, uh, what's her name, Cavalieri or whatever it was, Nick, went on and had that reality show. It actually led to their breakup. So you'd be good with being on a reality show? Well, it's really more hers. No, but you'd be in there. No, what, like the Housewives, of Mobile, the Housewives of Mobile or something, and it, I wouldn't be on it. If Lee was on a reality show, he'd be like, and hang with me here, he'd be like Bruce Jenner was on the Kardashians. <laughs> because when Bruce Jenner was in there, he was always just not trying to be in the shot. He was always just annoyed by all the antics that they were up to. Now, and look, if uh, look, live your truth if you want, but I would assume uh, after the show would end, you probably wouldn't continue following in uh, That's Bruce fair. Jenner's footsteps into where he... Uh, where he went. Yes. No, I think you're very right about that. Before. I really wouldn't want to be a part of the show and... That's, but that's well him, said. But with, but wouldn't. He but I wouldn't Lee stand in her way. Trying to not be in the show, kind of. He'd become, become a star. He'd be, yeah. He'd be yeah. like the <laughs> everybody would want to see. Right. Let's let's make this happen. There is no such thing as Housewives of Mobile yet, is there? Not yet. Not yet. Housewives of Gulf Gulf Shores. Um, See, all that was up in New Jersey, and you have such a disdain for Jersey, you know, like Housewives uh, of New Jersey, it's, it's, Housewives. Hi, they got they got them in Atlanta. And, Atlanta. Yeah. You want to hear my reality show pitch? Let, you sound like Lena. No. <laughs> Last redneck standing. Okay. You, you get some land, you put four trailers on it, and you get a bunch of rednecks out there, and you load them up on, like, Natty Light and, uh, you know, some barbecue or whatever. You make them do these weird little challenges, uh, and then it's just whatever redneck can last the longest, and they win. What, the kind of, what kind of challenges are we talking about? Pull the you know, trailer like, um, or drinking riding. beer? Drinking beer. Yeah, uh, beer chugging contest. Hammer Think throwing. Like Survivor, but instead of in a cool exotic location, it's in like the back roads of Wilmer. Yeah. That's your territory. Yeah, not too far from it. So would you rather Everyone be would, would you rather be the, the, the redneck that wins or the guy that's more animated and winds up stealing the show? Well, I think Nick be great as the MC of it. Well, if you're the redneck that wins, you get the $500,000 cash prize. But if you're the redneck that everyone loves, you get the fan favorite vote and you get uh, $50,000. Nick, you want to know something? I'm surprised we haven't had a show like that. See? Come on, people. Someone in the app said, uh, first of all, not only is it a terrible idea, but said the winner should be able to date your sister. <laughs> date their own yeah, sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 500 seems excessive for that, yeah, a that quote does unquote seem redneck a show. That right, does about seem like 50 bucks. Maybe, maybe they get the land that the show is on. They get those four trailers and the plot of land. 
Uh, That's like getting a hotel. And they'll like they'll like find like roadkill and eat it and stuff. They have to feed themselves. They'll have to go like fishing. Survivor style. See? Okay. And all we provide is the beer. And the more, you know, incoherent and drunk they are, the better footage for the show. I'd say Nick be great is the And what would you call this show? Last Redneck Standing. LRS. Pretty good, right? Previously. And then you get like the least Previously redneck on. guy in the world to host it. Get Anderson Cooper out on that mug. Or like his jury duty over here. Maybe there's a you plant somebody that's acting. Like, oh, not a real redneck. He's like a New Yorker. Yeah. Like some like theater actor. Like from Boston <laughs> or something. How you smart guys doing over here, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, this has legs. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk some Texas next. We'll see how the uh, Longhorns fans feel about their schedule. CJ Vogel is going to join us next. Uh, a distinguished young woman from Vermont will also join us. And Brian Matthews on Auburn. Maybe we, maybe we pitch that reality show to our distinguished young woman from Vermont. Probably yeah. not. Probably maybe. not. All right. Hour number three is next. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, hour number three here on a Friday edition. Uh, you guys uh, don't need to tell you anything you don't already know if you're listening in your cars, but be careful out there. It is a, uh, it's it's getting pretty rough out there. Some bad weather moving in, so please uh, take it slow and listen to the soothing sounds of Lee Shervanian. Thank you very much, uh, Mark. <laughs> any requests? Not only did your voice get <laughs> deeper, but you went slower. Did you uh, any re- any requests? Welcome right. to the love. The uh, top story, of course, the U.S. Open, but we don't have any scores because the second round has yet to begin in Los Angeles. But yesterday, a record-setting day with two golfers, Ricky Fowler and Xander Schofield, both hitting uh, 62s, first time that's ever happened at the U.S. Open. But the big story this week, of course, was the SEC releasing the 2024 schedule. We talked Oklahoma yesterday. Today, we're talking Texas because they'll be coming into the league in 2024. C.J. Vogel of Texas Brainiac Reporter has been with us before. C.J., good morning. How are you today? Good morning, guys. Happy Friday. Happy Friday uh, to you. And uh, first of all, before we even get into the the thick of the schedule, how do the Texas Longhorn fans feel about having to go to Texas A&M in 2024 instead of the A&M coming to them? You know, I think there's a a group that's upset, obviously, with Texas having to go to college station for the last game in 2012. But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, the overall theme for Texas fans is just, you know, really just, just happiness that the game is back on the schedule, that there's no more uh, no more need for the hypothetical arguments on Twitter and message boards of which team would beat who. We can finally go back to playing one another and, <laughs> and put to rest which team is better on the field and, and really see who, you know, runs the state, if you will. So does it, we talked about this yesterday when we were talking about Oklahoma. Does this game, 
in my opinion, is the biggest game on either one of their schedules, right? We talk about Alabama and Georgia and them playing. That's probably the, the headliner of the conference in 2024. But does do you believe that Texas, Texas A&M uh, takes away from what te- Texas and Oklahoma has built over the years now that that game is back on? I wouldn't say it necessarily takes anything away from that game. I mean, it's a tremendous atmosphere. It's one of the top, you know, college football environments for a reason. You know, being at the state fair, it's it's one of a kind. But it certainly falls down a rung on the ladder when you consider just how much Texas and Texas A&M, their, their fans just despise one another. Yeah. Uh, I mean, both schools are in the, the other school's fight song for a reason. You know, there's a hatred there. Uh, that 12 years or, or whatever it was without playing one another was very long. And it certainly helped build up the Texas-Oklahoma game uh, for a reason. But but getting that back up and running again is, is certainly going to fall into that 1A category for Texas specifically. And, it, it, uh, again, it's, it's tremendous that it's back. It's a game that should never leave a calendar for the rest of college football. CJ, how do you feel about the 2024 Texas schedule? Do you think it was pretty fair? Is this a schedule that has got the fan base excited? It certainly leaves a lot of excitement for people down in Austin. I think there's a lot of give and take here for Texas. Uh, Obviously, I mean, Georgia coming to town is a huge attraction, though I think it could be argued that that's going to be the third third game on the schedule circled for Texas fans, which is outrageous to say in most cases. Uh, but that that Dallas game with Oklahoma is certainly going to always stay high, and uh, I don't think there's a game you know with more anticipation than that first Texas Texas A&M game back on the schedule. Uh, with that said, Texas only has three true road games in 2024. Uh, they're counting that that Dallas showcase with Oklahoma as a, a, a road game for Texas. Uh, I think Texas got away you know with a pretty good schedule. Yeah. Uh, granted, they do have to go up to Arkansas and A&M, so uh, two two of their top three rivals in the conference, I would say is going to be a pretty hostile environment. But again, I think three true road games in this inaugural season is, is really a blessing for the Longhorns. Yeah. CJ, I kind of looked, I tried to judge schedules based on how many of the Alabama, Georgia, LSU, and Tennessee do you have on your schedule? And from that perspective, I thought Texas, I don't want to say dodged a bullet, but I, I thought their, their schedule is, uh, is a lot, more manageable than most like I think Oklahoma got taken behind the woodshed I don't I don't know who they ticked off but uh they've they've got a gauntlet there I thought Texas kind of sidestepped some of those potential landmines at least in in 2024 I'd have to agree with you I think you know obviously Florida and Georgia both coming to Austin is a huge win for Texas uh, Arkansas has been kind of down in the, in the dumps since, you know, the, the Razorbacks beat Texas a, uh, a couple of years ago. And so it, it's interesting to see just where teams have, you know, kind of kind of projected themselves for that first uh, first meeting in 2024. I, again, I'm right there with you. I think Texas fans should be all but happy uh, for this, this inaugural season. I think they have a very favorable schedule, especially when you compare it to Oklahoma. Uh, and, and by all means, it's nowhere close to what Florida's got to deal with in that first year. C.J. Vogel, our special guest, as we talk Texas. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Texas comes to Alabama this year for game number two in the series. Let me ask you this. On the quarterback situation, do you think Arch Manning will start for Texas sometime during the season and by barring an injury to the current quarterback, use? Uh No. 
I think the simple answer is no. Ewers is going to be the guy 100%. If he goes down, uh, you'll be dealing with uh, redshirt, redshirt sophomore Malik Murphy uh, coming in, who really lit up the spring game and, and really wowed some people. He has a big arm, 6'5", big guy. Uh, Sarkeesian is very, very high on him. And behind the scenes, he's done everything in his power not to get him to transfer. A uh, number of schools have come calling, including Alabama, before they started finding their guys in the portal as well. So, uh, very high on Malik Murphy. If something happens to Quinn Ewers this year, it's going to be him uh, taking the snaps back deep for Texas. So, there was a time when Mac Brown was coaching Texas. Uh, Texas just totally dominated recruiting in the state. They get the pick of the litter, and whoever was left would go somewhere else. That obviously has changed. Since Sarkeesian has come in there, is Texas regrouped and now dominates the state in recruiting? It's interesting. I'll say that. It's interesting. I think Texas has done a very good job regaining a foothold uh, across the state. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're dominating the state of Texas like Mike Brown once did. And I think there's been a kind of an adjustment in the in who you have to target in recruiting, and Texas is starting to realize that. Bo Davis specifically this weekend, uh, this is one of Texas's two big official uh, visit weekends for the, for the month of June. There's seven front seven prospects coming in on official visits. Not a single one of them is from the state of Texas. And so I think Texas is doing very fine picking and choosing who they want in the state of Texas, but they're also going outside the state boundaries to find guys uh, who, ne- who are necessary and fit, you know, holes in the in the roster that Texas has to plug. And so it, it, it's certainly a give and take, but they're doing just fine in the state. I wouldn't say they have a a, a true grip on a, a dominant stature, if you will, within the, the state boundaries. All right. Oklahoma and Texas. Uh, last year, Texas had the better year. Oklahoma had a terrible year. As we project the schedule in 2024, CJ, your opinion, who's trending more upward, Texas or Oklahoma? I have to say Texas, and I only say that because of what you see at the quarterback position right now. Uh, you know, I think Brent Venables is going to do fine for Oklahoma. Uh, one thing that will certainly determine this this question for me this year is just how well his defense does. You know, uh, you judge a quarter, or you ju- you judge a head coach based off of how his unit does on the field specifically. And and last year the Sooner defense was atrocious. And when you don't combine that with a you know above world caliber quarterback that Oklahoma's normally had in years past, you get exposed. Uh, Dylan Gabriel is going to be a guy who, if if he can't piece it together and really lay the foundation for what Jackson Arnold will be at Oklahoma in 2024, it's hard to believe that they're going to be any better than what they were, you know, last year. If that makes sense. And so I, I'm looking at Texas like, you know, they they've put the pieces together. They've They've emphasized the trench work uh, tremendously in recruiting not only this past cycle but the cycle before, and it's really building up to compete with the top dogs in the SEC upon entrance. Uh, the biggest question is, will their quarterback be ready to go You know, in year one uh, facing a full SEC slate? CJ, uh, I know the schedule was a big debate, but before I let you go, i got to ask you a, 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 a trouble about a troubling um uh, poll. You asked folks on Twitter at CJ Vogel underscore TFB what the most quotable comedy is. Super bad, The Hangover, and Wedding Crashers. Great question. What troubles me is the results. Wedding Crashers is last. How is this possible? 
You know what? I'm not sure. Uh, I was I was very surprised by that result as well. I think some of my followers need to lock it up. Uh, <laughs> you you motorboating. Right next time that yeah. question comes around. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a good call. Uh, all right, Papa needs to get some flavor over here. Uh, but tell folks how uh, they can follow you and get all the information they need about Texas and the Longhorns. Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at CJVogel underscore TFB or at thefootballbrainiacs.com. Hey, good luck with that uh, syrup conglomerate, and uh, we will talk soon. All righty, guys. Thank you all. You all stay safe in the, in the weather over there. That's CJ Vogel, ladies and gentlemen. All right, traffic and weather. And uh, we're going to be joined by uh, one of the distinguished women uh, from Vermont, actually, when we come back. And then we'll talk some Auburn with Brian Matthews. So stay with us. Plenty left here on a Friday edition. It's the opening kickoff. This is Gabe Gross, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. He came into this world as the son of a coach, but in these playoffs, he became the Lakers' daddy. So I tell you what, NBA, put that in your pipe and smoke it. 820, welcome back in. The opening kick. Off here, Mark Lee, Triple G, all the studios of WNSP. You know, they deserve a parade. They won. But what really boggles my mind, over 500,000 people attending. Like, yeah. they close the city down. Yeah. They close all the offices down. No business at all. Let's do it. Closed. That's the, hey, when it's the first one, it's, it's always... That's the big one. All right. This is not any kind of poking fun at uh, Nick or you, Mark. But right. It's nice to have somebody distinguished on this show. It happens from time, time to time. time. It not very often. often. No, no, not exactly. And we are very privileged today. As you know, the uh, Distinguished Young Women, the competition, uh, the ladies came to town uh, the other day. They're in town, and we're very happy to have one of them, the representative from Vermont, uh, Sydney Adrian, is on the line with us right now. Sydney, good morning, and welcome to the opening kickoff, WNSP. How are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? Did I say your last name correctly? Almost. It's Adrian. Adrian, thank you very much. You know, my first question, obviously, being from Vermont, and I've been in the state many times, I was going to ask you how you're getting used to the humidity down here, but I don't think that's going to be an issue right now. Yeah, right now it's not too bad, but we do get some humidity um, in August up in Vermont. Well, the reason I say that, I don't know where you are now, but where we are, it's pouring outside, so I, I don't think you'll be going out if, in fact, you have to deal with the rain today. Yeah, it's pretty rainy right now. We're uh, taking a pause on some of our stuff today, just waiting for the rain to settle so, in a little bit. I know you, the, the, the girls have just come to town, so what, par- what activities so far, if any, have you participated in? Um, so yesterday we went to the Browling Grass um, Home and Gardens, um, and we are about to do some community service here at the youth or the. Uh, the uh, the junior league, sorry, um, and then we'll be visiting the USS Alabama this afternoon. All right, I will mention that the uh, competition uh, will go on the uh, June 22nd, 23rd, and then 24th at the Mobile Civic Center. 
the competition begins at 7 as the uh, young ladies get ready for all that and get a real good tour of Mobile and a great taste. Speaking of taste, do they still have the oyster eating contest? Absolutely, and I'm so excited for that. Have you ever had one before? Um, I have. I love oysters and I love seafood, which kind of sucks because I'm in the only landlocked state in New England. <laughs> so we we try to, to uh, book a person with some athletic ability. You apparently have some uh, soccer track. But the, what the sport that intrigues me, because I don't know much about it, you were the captain of the ultimate Frisbee team. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, I captained my high school ultimate frisbee team. Um, Vermont was the first state to make it a varsity sport. Um, it's super fun. It's like almost a mix of football and soccer, but in the air and non-contact. <laughs> and and you're going to be uh, uh, playing uh, ultimate in, in college, so that's that's very cool. Congratulations on that. And where we tell everybody where you're going to be attending college. <laughs> So I'm going to Northeastern University, which is up in Boston, um, but my entire first year is going to be in London through a campus that they just bought there. Oh, very cool. So I was going to ask you if, uh, if, if, you get, if you've got your Boston accent down, but you, you can wait a year. You've got to change gears, and, and can, you, can you give us some sort of European accent? I would, but I'm terrible, and I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> I want to get back to this ultimate Frisbee. So, like, are you one of the leading scorers on the team, and how do you score points? Um, so I am not a leading scorer. I am a handler, so I'm almost like the quarterback of the team. I throw the Frisbee to everyone who is in the end zone. Um, it's the same kind of thing. As long as you catch it in the end zone, then that's a point. So, how many touchdown passes this year? <laughs> Unfortunately, I was not able to play this year after an injury. Um, but last year, I think I had close to 30. How many? 30. 30? Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. Pretty good. No interceptions. Do people intercept this thing? Yes, very often, unfortunately. So, was your team pretty good? Um, our team was pretty good this year. We had a pretty good playoff run. Unfortunately, we did not make it to the championship, but I'm now looking forward to my club season. And you said there's no, it's not contact though, right? I mean, is it like two-hand touch? Um, yeah, there's no, con it's technically a non-contact sport, um, but there is usually contact when people are going up to the disc and stuff like that. Talking with Sydney Adrian from uh, Vermont, one of the 50 distinguished young women in town for the uh, competition that winds up a week from Saturday. So let me ask you, uh, what did you participate in track? Um, I was a sprinter, so I usually did like the 100, maybe the 200 once in a while. Do you ever, do the girls bring anything from their state, like to Mobile, or maybe trade little gifts or anything like that? And if you did from Vermont, what would that be? Um, I believe we did, and we're going to be doing that later in the week. And I brought maple candies with me for all of the girls. See, I was thinking, I wasn't going to say it, I was thinking maple syrup. I did bring maple syrup for my host family. <laughs> Hey, very cool. Congratulations on all the success. Uh, um, have a great time in Mobile. Enjoy London. Enjoy Boston, man. It, it sounds like everything's going great for you, and uh, we, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. 
Yeah, thank you so much. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Distinguished young women. Um, it's cool going to London. I was thinking uh, the maple syrup elf. Yeah. Just take it out and pour it on your spaghetti. That's all I've been eating all week is spaghetti. And syrup? No syrup. Oh. But, but it's given me an idea. Which is? Syrup on my spaghetti because I love sweets and I love spaghetti. Okay. A distinguished young woman to Lee talking about putting syrup on his spaghetti. Yes. See how this show has we go all areas. Uh yeah. I quickly. mean, my my favorite was the fact that we we here we are a sports show asking our guests to explain a sport to us. That that that's well. I asked you. Do you know much? I I'm not familiar with ultimate frisbee. Fake it till you make it there, Lee. I'd rather have them explain it. Have you ever seen it, Nick? I have. And. <laughs> I've also participated. And? It's not very fun. I'll say this, and look, kudos to uh, the distinguished young woman. And maybe this will trigger some ultimate Frisbee guys out there, but I feel like that's a sport that people really get into that aren't good at other sports. All right, then how about this? You challenge the afternoon crew. See my little Look, jab? Me and Mark have already established any sport that involves movement of your body, we are going to uh, wax the floor with them. Dance competition? Definitely. I think I think I think Nick might carry that competition, but I, I'm willing. Doesn't, doesn't I'm willing to be the guy that gets the ring but isn't the, <laughs> the superstar in that one. Yeah, Nick's got that like break dancing look to him, kind of. Yeah, not sure if anybody's done any break dancing me? in the last forty years, but <laughs> well, he could be. He could probably cut a little rug. You big dancer, Shervani. I'm a terrible dancer. Oh, okay. You weren't like tap dancing back in the day. No. Hello, my honey. No. Hello, my baby. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm singing in the rain. <laughs> All right, when we come back, we talk some Auburn next, right here on the Sports Station WNSP and WNSP.com. Continues right here on the sports station WNSP. All right, Brian Matthews joins us from Auburn Sports. Brian, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning. Doing terrific. Thank you. You know, for the most part, I don't get too excited about the recruiting news because until they land on campus and distinguish themselves, you know, they're just names and, you know, the commit list, this and that. And half the time, these athletes decide to go somewhere else. But I, but I had, I had to 
t- pay attention to the uh, recruit they got, the commitment they got yesterday from that linebacker because it's right down the road. And I understand that Georgia had a head start on them to bring Joseph Phillips to uh, to Auburn with a commitment. Can you talk about that and how important this is to Hugh Freeze? Yeah, Joseph Phillips uh, from right over there in Tuskegee is a kid that I think everybody had pegged for Georgia. Uh, they had been on him uh, really early as one of those edge rush type, type guys. And, um, you know, you Freeze and his staff really worked hard to turn that around. And, um, you know, if you look over the past five to ten years, Auburn's really um, missed out on some really good in-state prospects, you know. You're always going to lose some to Alabama, of course, but Clemson, Georgia, you know, other schools have been coming to the state and taking some of the best players away from Auburn. So this is a big win, and Joseph's going to come in 6'3", 230, uh, going to be able to play the, probably that jack linebacker position and, and really be a force on the edge of the pass rusher. So I think he's a big pickup. And one of three pickups I got um, uh, this week, they also got uh, Kelsey Falston, very talented DB from Naples, Florida. And they got Bryce Kane, uh, a really good um, wide receiver from uh, Baker down there in Mobile. He came up to camp. I watched him. I think uh, one of his 40s was sub 4-4, and he was terrific in one-on-ones. Just a really quick, fast kid who – um, you know, real competitive. I really liked what I see. I think he'll probably be a slot receiver in Auburn system. So getting back to Phillips, though, I mean, this is a uh, a high school standout right down the street from Auburn. And then you go back in the history, uh, well, Auburn High and so forth. They weren't at, at one time getting the great players from Auburn High. They were going to Alabama. That's why I think this is really significant that, you know, the inroad that coming in late like they did to basically steal this one away from Georgia from a kid right down the street. Yeah, it is. And that, that's an area that I've been really needing to upgrade, right? They just have not uh, recruited East Alabama as well as they should be. Um, I don't know the good reason for that. And uh, they've been getting beat one-on-one by Georgia and Clemson and all these schools for so many top guys. And this was a win over Kirby Smart for you freezing his staff. And that's important. If Auburn wants to compete at the top of the SEC, and be an annual, you know, contender for a playoff spot and, you know, to make a run there. They've got to recruit well for high school players, and this is a big win. They've got to get a lot more, though, going forward. Do you think Hugh Freeze is that concerned that he is the only SEC program in 2024 that has to play Alabama and Georgia on the road? Well, I think he already knew that, you know, when he took the job, right? So that's that's just who it is, you know, if you're the Auburn coach. You're playing those teams every year. I do think there's an opportunity in 2025 if um, the SEC can pull it off when they finally come up with a permanent formula, assuming they do, that um, you know Auburn can go back to back playing Georgia on the road as Georgia did at Auburn, you know, back about a decade ago, and maybe get it so those teams aren't uh, home at the same at the same season. So it's it's alternating, uh, which I think would be um, in, in Auburn's favor. So we'll see how that goes. Uh- Brian Matthews, our guest here on WNSP. Speaking of Hugh Freeze and first, I think uh, he has done something here recently, Brian, and I think you're aware of it, that no other SEC coach has ever done in the history of the sport, as far as I know, and that is tweet a quote from Diary Diary of a Wimpy Kid. What? What? <laughs> I just saw that. Yeah, that, that was that was interesting. I, I, I mean, I'm not mad at it. I just, I just, yeah. I just, I'm, I'm a little confused. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he likes to tweet out quotes and such, um, you know, in the morning a lot of times, and uh, he's big on these motivational quotes and tools. 
you know, to get his players and, and get everybody on the same page. And, uh, you know, that's really important to him. I, you know, I, I think um, he puts a lot of work in recruiting, and I think he puts a lot of work into, um, you, you know, having everybody on the same page working as one as far as his, his football team goes. Yeah, I guess he's just trying to lock down those middle schoolers for when they get old enough to start yeah, right. getting, yeah, getting recruited. I just, I just thought that was the just a just a random quote, man. Hey, Brian. Yep. In the past, the uh, Auburn Georgia games haven't gone that well for Auburn, but certainly the LSU Auburn series has been extremely competitive. Would you have preferred to see been. LSU stay on rather than Georgia? No, I think. Um... If you look at what's happening with Auburn, you know, if they go with the 6-3, it's going to be Alabama, Georgia, and another school. It's not going to be LSU. Um, that's just the way it is, right? LSU became a permanent opponent back in 92. You know, I can go back to 1988 when I was a student at Auburn, um, sitting in the basement of, of our fraternity house and watching, um, you know, the earthquake game, you know, and not understanding why Auburn couldn't score and, and how LSU was able to pull that out. But um, it has been a great rivalry. Really exciting one. So many crazy games. The barn burning game, the interception game. You know, I could go on and on with that. But um, uh, it needed to end. The offense cannot um, play Alabama, Georgia, LSU every single season. Um, there's, they're probably the most three most talented teams just about every year. I know Florida, you know, a decade ago could say that, but right now it's it's definitely Alabama, Georgia, and LSU. So that was just too much. And if um, you know, the SEC is truly going to balance the schedule, they had to um, they had to leave the schedule as a permanent opponent. But what I'll say for LSU and Ole Miss and Mississippi State, teams that Auburn has played every year up until 2024, you know, over the past 30, um, they're going to be on Auburn's schedule two years out of every four years anyway, right? Home and away. So it's not like these games are going away forever. You're just not playing them every single year. I would have thought had they split up and put uh, Auburn on the road, either Alabama or Georgia, and one home game, it may have been a little bit fair. But in reality, as I look at that schedule again, it, it appears it's a very favorable schedule to Auburn with the rest of the opponents. It is, and that's what it needs to be. You know, you're playing one and two in the SEC on the road, right? So you've got to sprinkle in, you know, if you're trying to balance Auburn's schedule like the SEC is trying to do, you got to put in the 15th or 14th or 16th team in the league on that schedule. And, you know, Auburn's got Vanderbilt and Missouri. You know, I don't know if they're 15 or 16 or where they where they rank. Maybe they'll be better in 2024. Who knows? But right now, that's sort of the way you look at it. Then you did get a premier home game in Oklahoma, which I think is important. And then, you know, they did their best, you know, filling it out with a bunch of teams right there in the middle where Auburn is right now. So um, I, I think it is the type of schedule that um, you hope for if you're an Auburn person because I think the most important thing for Auburn during this whole transition period is getting a, a schedule that's more balanced, more favorable, and not the toughest schedule in the SEC every single year, one of the toughest in the country. So I think they did that, and I think they're going to do that when they settle on a permanent model, too. Did you have a personal preference? Uh, we knew going in that each team was either going to get Oklahoma or Texas. Yep. Did, did you have a preference one way or the other? Or did, did you think Auburn fans had a preference one way or the other? I, I just like Oklahoma better. I thought that would be a more exciting game to me. I don't know which team's going to be better in 2024, or, you know, uh, rank higher or whatever. But I, I just, um, I, I don't know. I just like Oklahoma. Uh, I, I think part of that is just my bias because they've always been such an exciting offense. I'm not sure that they're that team anymore yeah. under their new coach. But that's the team I was kind of hoping for. 
So other than Alabama and Georgia, do you think Auburn would be favored? And again, we're looking down the road two years. Would they be favored in just about every one of those other SEC games? Um, Maybe. I mean, Texas A&M has recruited really well. They haven't taken that next step as far as competing at a high level. But we'll see where they are in two years. I mean, they may have a brand-new coaching staff. You never know. But, you know, you look at at Kentucky, at Missouri, those are opportunities for Auburn to be favored. Although Kentucky's been a really good team, really solid team the last seven, eight, ten years. And then you would think Arkansas, uh, Vanderbilt at home, Auburn has a good chance to be favored in those games. So, yeah, I think that's a possibility. So let me ask you this. With the uh, SEC Media Days in Nashville, give me three uh, Auburn football players that you think might be traveling with Hugh Freeze to Nashville for the uh, Media Days. That's a, whew, that's an interesting question. I haven't thought about that yet. Um, well, and the reason I, I, I ask I go is go back to who he who he mentioned as um, you know some of the leaders on the team. He mentioned the whole tight end room. So I would go with a guy like Luke Deal, possibly uh, one of Auburn's tight ends. Um, let's see who else did he mention? I know I just wrote about this too. Um, he mentioned uh, Jason Jones and those guards that eventually uh, transferred from Oregon. I think he'll be a senior. Yeah, I think that's a possibility. And they usually try to bring in a quarterback or somebody like that, although I don't know if they've been you know, transferred like Peyton Thorne right away or not. But you know, I guess that's one to look for. When do you get your first look or really get your first feel of Peyton on the Auburn campus? Or have you already done that? You know, I've seen him out there. Um, seen him tossing the ball around a little bit, but you know, unless it's some random moment when I'm over there and he's out there throwing, you know, for real, probably not until spring, to be honest, you know. You don't um, ask him. I don't know that um, they'll have captain's practices open for us to go watch. They haven't really done that in probably a decade or more now. But, uh, you know, we'll certainly ask and see if we can get out there for a few. Do you, are you close enough on the field that you can ask him to throw you a pass? Mm, you know, I, um, not really, no. I mean, it would depend on the situation, but that's not something I would normally do, you know what I'm saying? If it was just uh, maybe at a camp or something, he's out there messing around, sure, you know, here, toss it to me or something, but, um, you know, not doing anything formal. But the the question would be is if, if he threw it hypothetically, would you catch it? Brutal honesty. I like it, Brian. I like it. You've given his food for thought. (laughs) Our uh, board up is a sprinter in his own right, and he's taken on some of the legendary speedsters in this town. I'm I'm kind of thinking about should he go up against Bryce Kane from Baker? Uh, He can. He can really, really move. I think it was a. I'm not sure. I think it was a four, four, five, and then a four, three, eight. Maybe he ran. And then somebody told me he ran a four three five at, at the old Miss camp, so he can really take off. And you could see it um, as soon as he got a little separation during one on ones when I was watching. He was just blowing past guys um, at Auburn's camp, and he looked really good. Caught the ball really well. Has good, um, very good hands, and you can tell he knows how to go up and get a ball. So I'm excited to see um, what kind of senior year he can have, and then what he can do at Auburn. I think. Um, Auburn's really trying to push to have a really good wide receiver class in 2024, and I think he's a good first piece for that. All right, just for clarification, our our, our producer here has has challenged these sprinters. We're, we didn't say he competed with them. We just said he <laughs> he, he saw him run by. But, uh, Brian, always appreciate you coming aboard, man. Tell folks how they can continue to follow your coverage of all things Auburn. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. You can check us out at HumberSports.com. Follow me on Twitter at BMATAU. And this will be another big um, official visit weekend. Right now, tentatively, we've got six players coming in. Uh, Cam Coleman, I mean, Perry Thompson, excuse me. The wide receiver from Foley, who's com- currently coming to Alabama, is one of those. And then the other five right now are big old offensive linemen. So it should be an interesting weekend in Auburn. Hey, we'll be, uh, we'll be tuning in, man. We appreciate the time. Have a great weekend. Thanks for the time, and uh, we'll talk soon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. So, Nick, are you familiar with the freeze at the Atlanta Braves games? Um, no. The freeze uh, <laughs> uh, late no. in the game. Uh, he's a speedster. I guess he's a former track star. So what they do is they bring a fan out there, and they give the fan quite a lead, uh, actually halfway to the finish line. And his job, of course, is to run to beat the freeze, and the freeze has to start way back. So since I guess you're not that familiar, I was just curious, would you ever want to take on the freeze an Atlanta Braves game? I'd probably win. He has been beaten, by the way. I mean, it. there have been some out there that, you know, again, they get, I, I don't even know in terms of yards, Mark, but from the, where they start to the finish line, the contestant gets halfway to the finish line before they start. I would say I'm faster than the average adult. Some of these guys are up there, not so much in years, but in girth. Um... He runs from foul pole to foul pole. So that's uh, 160 meters, it says. So I'm going to be like every other. It's 170. It's basically 175 yards. So, I mean, it's a sprint, but it's a, it's a pretty good sprint. And so if they're giving you half of that. There's no way that I would lose that. If I'm starting halfway up, does he does he give everybody half? They yes, give them everybody half? everybody gets a half, and that I think it's a half. I think it's about a half, maybe maybe a little more than a half, but it's a it's quite a head start. But the freeze, this is a gimmick at the games. You know how teams have gimmicks, and uh, he starts at the at the start line. You're mentioning from one foul pole, whereas the the contestant usually. Like midway, midway. Now again, some of these contestants are not track stars by any means. You know, they they get they just want to get out there and have fun. And I don't even know what they get if they beat the freeze. But I've seen some of the races, and he has been defeated. Yeah, that would mean that he would have to be twice as fast as me to beat me. And if anyone's twice as fast as me, then you're breaking world records. Hmm. Um. How fast is he? Uh, I don't know. I'll have to do some research here on the uh, on on this. You I do. I'm wondering though if it's one of those deals where you have to sign up, and it's like when you have to kick the field goal. Like they look like if you have any experience in football or soccer at all, generally you're just disqualified. Like no, I think they actually go like to have somebody to compete against them. I really do. From what I've seen, that there's some pretty good runners that have. Uh, taking him on in competition they're not looking for guys that are 300 pounds any this. fan that beats the freeze gets a uh $100 a prize worth $100 I think it's a really neat gimmick I I actually like it better than like with Milwaukee where they wear the those costumes the hot dog or whatever they call them and the, the bratwurst or whatever they are the I, I like because it, it's really competition I mean you give the guy a head start and then you got to try to go beat him and the freeze has established quite a reputation up there in Atlanta. 
So much so that Nick has never heard of him. Well, that doesn't surprise me. There's a lot of things. He's kind of got tunnel vision. All right. Uh, I think I have a broad viewpoint of the world. I don't think so. He knew what Ultimate was. That's pretty narrow-minded of you to say, I think, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to get your reaction. It's okay. All happy right. birthday, Nick. Yeah, one final segment. You can wish Nicholas a happy birthday, uh, assuming that you guys aren't in your canoe boats at this point. Favorite cake, Nick. What do you like? Yeah, birthday what do you like, cake? Nick? Oh, well, he's not of? a sweets kind of guy. I know. Not G- a big cake guy. Cake, uh, chocolate chip uh, cookie, ice cream cake, anything? Not a big cookie guy. Carrot? How about carrot cake? A Ugh. vegetarian cake. Ugh. Don't like a carrot in my cake, no. What? So what, what would your family put a candle on? Cupcake? Still cake. I hate cupcakes. What do you, do you like? Cupcakes? cupcakes are an abomination to the food industry. Why would you oh. create something that you can't? Oh, when you go to, how do you eat a cupcake? With you can't hand, do it without getting frosting on your nose. So that's part of the. That's part of it. And then you lick it off your nose. You any, can't do that. Well, you take your hand and you take you it on your hand and be messy. I'm not into. So what do you? What would they give you? We can discuss in the next segment. Okay. Mark's going to sing happy birthday to you, too. This ought to be good. This is Chris Samuels. You're listening to WNSP 105.5. Roll Tide. And God bless. final segment of the day Nick will explain why he's un-American a communist in fact and does not eat cupcakes oh please don't go there he is American he's got a citizenship I don't know well first of all let's hear a little happy birthday what, what is with, what is your obsession with me singing on this show because you well, you do it off the air a lot of times, and when you play these commercials, you he start. He's always singing. Yeah, he's always yeah. singing. You're when, always it's a, when it's a, it's when not it's a obsession, little... I have to deal with it. Huh. Do it like uh, I'm John F. Kennedy and you're Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Feliz cumpleaños e tu. Feliz cumpleaños e tu. Uh, she did it a little bit differently than you. How'd she do it, Lee? I, I can't emulate that voice of hers but or former voice I of thought hers. mine was pretty close. That I mean, was good. Uh, and I did it in a different language. Muy caliente. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so why is it that you don't... I mean, wh- why is a cupcake an abomination? There's Whoever created the cupcake did not think of the person eating it while they made it. It's got a very... It does not have an innovative design. It is not easy to eat. There's a wrapper in the way, so you got to move like that wrapper out the way, but then you also got to hold the wrapper so the cake doesn't like mush in your hands. The frosting's too high, it gets on your nose. There is no way to eat a cupcake. No. Oh, wait a second, though. It is now I disagree with all of that because I love cupcakes, but it's easier than cutting a regular cake and having to take a knife and then to wipe off the knife and the cupcake, you unfold the wrapper and it's there for you. So what? What's, it's, what could be easier? So I guess why? I'd rather clean cake off a knife than my face. Well, then, you, of course, you have to wrap the cake up, and you have to— Believe me, it's, to me, a lot easier to eat a cupcake so, than a regular but cake. But here's the other question, though. Who who decided that's how you eat a cupcake? How are you eating them? 
Well, it's cake, so why couldn't you? That's how I eat it, by the way. Like you it's just cake. described, it's but right. it's like it's a cake. cake so wh why why can't we just cut a p a cupcake like we do a, a any other cake? Because if if I if someone were to bring cupcakes and I was like, uh, can I get a fork? Yeah, I'd never hear the end of it from you people. Right, but if that wasn't always the case, if that were just the norm, my question is, why isn't it the norm? Who said know. who? Who made the rules on how to eat cupcakes? When I was a kid and, and some, uh, you know, overbearing parent would come and celebrate that kid's birthday and bring cupcakes to the class, I would always say, eh, I'm good. He must have had a bad experience along the way. That's usually never, what happens. I don't, no, I don't like the flavor and I don't like the way you have to go about eating it. There's nothing positive for me in the idea of a cupcake. Okay, so you're getting away from the question, though. What... Would your parents or friends have for you to celebrate? What what replacement would it be for a cake? Hmm. Uh, maybe like a cheeseburger <laughs> with a candle maybe on a it or pizza. something. Or uh, but you don't even like pizza. Candles. See, I don't like the idea of wax dripping onto my food. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, maybe just uh, they could write happy birthday somewhere and then give and you a cheeseburger. catch up on the cheeseburger. Yeah. Happy birthday, Nick. That, that would do it. Guy. Not a big ketchup guy. So if you had a birthday Man, party, if you had a birthday party <laughs> and you invite your closest friends, all two of them, uh, is that what you'd be serving? Cheeseburgers? Yeah, you might grill out probably. Burgers, hot dogs, maybe some chicken wings or something. My palate leans way more savory than it does sweet. I don't have any sweet teeth in, in my uh, mouth. <laughs> either either is Lee. They've all been replaced. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Oh, wait. There's one more. There's one, one more. more. To go. We got one, one more to go. go. Yeah, one more to go. All right. Very good. Uh, what do we got cooking on Monday? I guess we'll recap uh, the US, U.S. Open. Open. That would be first and foremost. Uh, College World Series, which starts later on today. Florida's involved today. Uh, LSU and Tennessee, which T-Bob Abair gave us his preview. So we'll talk about that. And, of course, we've got to give you a lot of Major League Baseball, right? Oh, good. Oh, do, or do we recap his birthday party? Yep. I'll make sure to do a lot so it'll take up the whole show and we'll never get to the baseball stuff. Don't tease me. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, on behalf of everybody here at WNSP, I want to wish you and yours a happy and safe weekend. Happy Father's Day. Happy birthday to Nick. And, of course, we'll be back on Monday. Be careful out there. It's just nasty today. Uh, we'll be back Monday at 6 a.m. Until then, see ya.